The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 93 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati, LOL, on Twitter. With me tonight, we've got Josh Roberts, at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you kept that real... Are you, are you, save, you saving it, Josh? There's a big news section after the introductions, Vince. <laughs> stick to the script. We stick to the itinerary here. We've got John George at the Esports Plug. I'm not gonna How we doing, everybody? I'm not going to be able to keep it together, dude. I have no idea what's coming either. This is so dangerous. And then we've got uh, at, at Prime LOL, Chris Chung joining us uh, this look, week. Look, guys, I, for one, am really excited about Magic Felix starting for <laughs> That was. I am too, by the way. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I forgot to write that down. Thank you for pointing that out. Magi, I feel like. Um, so, the plan for this show is we got a couple couple little roster moves, pieces of news. Uh, one of them is not little. One of them is gigantic. Um, <laughs> we're going to do uh, our midseason checkup for the LCK and the LPL, since both of them are on break for Chinese New Year. The LCK starts up again next Wednesday. The LPL will start up again on Monday the 22nd. So two weeks off for the LPL, one week off for the LCK, kind of like a mid-season break, all-star break kind of situation going on here for the Chinese New Year. So uh, we're going to do like our mid-season report card, general takes on those leagues, and then we're going to talk about the LCK or the LEC LEC and LCS. And that's all we have for Slate this week besides the – oh, we have the PCS starting up this weekend, too. I believe they start on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, so – um, anybody interested in the smaller leagues, that's probably the one you want to pay the most attention to because it's probably the strongest league. So that's starting up, and they, have, they are the latest starting league. So, yeah, um, should be a shorter show. We'll see. Uh, only only a handful of games this weekend. So Yeah, that's never worked out. I've told oh, my wife I know. I think, it's actually, I think week. it's actually going to be this week. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So we've got – let's just do the news first. We'll get it, we'll get it out now. Um, obviously – the big news this week, crown shot picked up by Vitality. Yeah, I mean, the only news this week, right? I don't really think there's other news that's worth talking about. I mean, just, you know, bottom feeder team in Vitality goes out and makes a big splash free agency. It gets the arguably the best free agent available, and uh, you know, things are looking bright for Vince's Vitality futures that he, that he was heavy on in the preseason if you if you tailed those so looking good but uh yeah i really wish there was still odds up to make the playoffs i think that would have been a really good find here because we saw even we'll see it later but the the odds didn't really move for what should be a pretty big shift but then again you gotta you gotta weigh in the fact that it's only three days with the team so 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 let's let's hash this out like I think most of us agree that comp was probably a li- I mean, we should really talk about the bottom lane in general, not just comp. Like, I know he's the one being replaced here, but 
Comp and Lebrov were one of the best laning pairs in the LEC, and that's saying something because there's some pretty strong bottom lanes in the LEC. So team wasn't always successful, but last season and even so far this season, laning-wise, they've been a very strong team, or they've been a very strong lane. So uh, there is, I think, some kind of case to be made for, like, maybe this isn't going to gel immediately, but the main reason they brought Crown Crown Shot in is because this team – and we've seen it. It makes sense. The statistics back it up. You just look at their profile. You watch their games. What's been happening to this team is just weird mid and late games. Just They've been part of some of these weird games. They've had huge leads and have been able to close games out. And, you know, I, I believe it was the Vitality Twitter account said something about they needed someone with a strong voice. Or they were excited to have somebody with a strong voice. Uh, maybe that was just fluffing him up. I don't know. But... Crownshot is someone with a strong voice. I know he did a lot of the the organizing and shot calling. Uh, not maybe not everything, but he did a lot of the duties on SK last season. So, and he's been groomed to do that. There's not a lot of eighty carries that do that. So this is someone that's been been working on this. Is potentially going to, we hope, fix that problem for Vitality. So, I, I think comparing this just on a player skill level, they're probably. This is going to be unpopular with you, Josh. Just comparing this on a player skill level, they're probably closer than people think. I think a lot of people just assume Comp is bad because they don't know his name. Like, I legitimately think that's the case. Like, I know it's like one of these people that's like an underrated, like, you know, second line player in the NHL or something. Like, it's like, ah, he's whatever. He's okay. Like, at best. Comp's pretty good, but he has not been very good this season outside of lane. So, it's still definitely an upgrade. And if the shot calling aspect kicks in, like that, that's the big thing here, right? So, do, do we think three days is enough time to to make an immediate impact, or is this going to be a situation where maybe this takes a couple of weeks before they before they turn it around? Because I think that for our purposes, I think that's the that's the real question here, right? Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, I don't know if that's best to discuss now, or if we want to do it later when we get to LEC. Um, but we can kind of do whatever. I don't know. I, because I know we wanted to kind of start with. Oh, the... We might as we might as well. I mean, we're here. Okay, we're here yeah. talking about it. We might as well. Sure. Yeah. So I. I mean, I think obviously three days is not optimal. Um, you know, obviously he's been there for three, or the announcement happened three days ago. You got to think he probably had a tryout with the team beforehand or something like that. So they've probably played together at least a few times before that, and you know, I'm sure that they've done some solo queue and stuff like that. But um, my guess is that they've just been grinding, right? Like you got to assume that they're just nonstop screaming. And then even when they're not screaming that at least the bottom lane is just duo queuing on brand new accounts, like nonstop back to back, I would think. Um, So yeah, I definitely think it'll be interesting. But like you said, I, the thing is like vitality is one in six. And I don't think that they've been like, I think they could easily be just easy, like four and three or something like that. Right. Where it's just one or two fatal mistakes, whether it be positioning, um, poor like you know vince talks about things like this all the time even if you just play with him um just like focusing the right players like that's that's huge in team fights and if those things aren't getting communicated if they don't have a strong voice to lead them um because again we we talked about this team is a bunch of young players right last year they had cabochard to kind of help them navigate and it's weird to think of crown shot as a veteran uh presence but i think i think he'll provide that for the team yeah, Josh, Chris, any thoughts? I'll, I'll, I'll just quick tack on, and then I'm going to throw it to Chris here. Like, they wouldn't be starting him this week if they didn't think it was going to make an immediate impact. That, that's the way I interpret this. Unless Comp was just so psychologically tilted by the pickup, and they made that determination, I have no idea. Like, 
what's going on behind the scenes. But generally speaking, you don't always see free agent pickups start that week, and he's starting this week. So, yeah, uh, Chris, what do you think, or Josh, or John, or Chris? Chime, you know, whatever, whatever you guys think on this one. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll have a quick. Oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead, Chris. It's quick. Uh, regardless of whether he's ready or not, I do think we'll have we'll see a change, uh, something different. If it's really the shot calling that's been an issue, this is a great time to test it out to fix it. I don't know if they're going to be able to fix the schemes problem because he has been a major liability. The analysts called him out on it. Of course, he did improve the last game, but it wasn't enough to help them win. Uh, overall, I do think uh, we want to pay attention to what changes, what if there's any visible changes and if we can get excited. And then you got a good matchup against uh, this week for them to test out all these things. So I'm excited for them. Yeah, John. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Like, it's, it's really tough with the comp situation because comp was a very promising rookie. He was someone that we were pretty excited about last season. And you know the team especially because he probably wasn't expensive. You know the team would have been looking to keep him in the roster if they could. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that they went out and grabbed Crown Shot, I think, says something probably that we don't know about things that are going on. Because if you have a, a rookie that looks promising like that, dropping him like five or six, you know, seven games into the new season doesn't feel like something that you do in an, in an average season, especially when a lot of their games have been a little closer, kind of like we talked about. It hasn't been like just blowouts all over the place. So maybe there's something else going on with him mentally. Maybe something going on with the team. We don't. We never know. But uh, it's it's definitely it's impossible to argue that Crown Shot's not going to be an upgrade at the position. Yeah. Whether or not that uh, plays out immediately, or if we have to wait a little while, we did just get a good example in Academy, like literally a couple hours ago, of a, a brand new AD carry coming in who's an AD carry upgrade for a team, and the team looked significantly better. I don't uh, this week when they were playing with Luger instead of Andy Bendy who'd been playing with them last week. So I don't know. Maybe we get an automatic an automatic pump up from crown shot. But I mean, either way you're getting an upgrade at the 80 carry position. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think we should definitely value them a little bit higher than we have. And I think most of us were thinking they were a little undervalued anyway. So yeah, this is a uh, kind of adding fuel to a fire. That's been like, it's, it's been built. It's like a volcano kind of situation. It's been like pressure has been boiling up and you just like, you know, through another uh, catalyst into that kind of situation. Right. So yeah, I, I hope it's an immediate impact. I would imagine – I mean, this was a pretty quick decision, right? Like, what, he came in, and, like, two days later, they were like, oh, he's in, and he's starting next week, right? Something along those lines. Because I remember he – I'm pretty sure he tweeted something. I maybe said something on stream that he was um, doing a tryout for somebody, and, then like, a couple days later, he's announced. So may, maybe it was just night and day, and it just made a huge difference for them, and that's why they're doing this. And if that's the case, that's definitely reason to be excited. So – yeah, should be should be exciting. Uh, I'll touch on this one. It's kind of a smaller one, but it's a it's a prospect that we've all we've all liked and we've seen a lot of him in EU Masters. Magi Felix is going to be playing for Astralis this week, uh, at least you know for this week. Um, Nuke Duck is taking a personal leave. They didn't specify. It's just uh, inactive for personal reasons, undisclosed amount of time. So. Magi Felix. Magi Felix, uh, obviously we know from Fnatic's system, uh, Fnatic Rising, and I think he played, I don't think, has he played in the LEC? Has he subbed a couple games? I'm pretty sure he has. I think he's played a couple games throughout the years, yep. He's absolutely dominated the Masters scene. He's been one of the one of the premier mid laners in that, in that uh, what do you call it, that arena for, for years now, honestly, what, two or three years probably? And, uh, 
Yeah, I, you know, th- I think whatever you think of of Nuke Duck aside, you could just look at saying like you know, he's a promising mid laner. The dude's a beast. He's been really good. He just has been stuck behind. He's been on Fnatic. That's the only thing. These the only thing he's done wrong is that he's been on Fnatic. And that's it. And he's had good mid laners in front of him his whole career. And that's that's about all he's done wrong. So I tend to like guys like this that are that are finally getting an opportunity somewhere else. And you know, for lack of better terms, Astralis needed to switch something up. Like even if it was just for the sake of switching something up, even if this doesn't, if even if this ends up being a horizontal move or something, like they got to do something because they've they've kind of just looked like terrible. Doesn't it feel like we? Doesn't it feel like Nuke Duck is one of those players that you'd like to see as a coach? Nuke Duck feels like a coach to me, just Maybe. from like the way he's played throughout the years. Plays a lot of different styles, a lot of different metas. Always been able to adapt well. That feels like a guy who's going to be a decent coach, as opposed been, to somebody he's been that's in the game know, for a long time too. So yeah, he's seen some things. I could definitely see that. Maybe that's what's happening here. If Felix pops, maybe that's the 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 role he takes on. I could also see him being like the veteran quarterback type, where he's like, okay, like I know I'm getting kind of washed, but I'd be a good like backup, like mentor to the young kid kind of situation. I mean, Masai Felix isn't even that young though. He's been, he's been grinding at this for a while, so yeah, we got to see that with with uh, you know washed guys that are mentoring the next generation. We got to see that with Drew Brees this oh year. You know? I mean, <laughs> Drew Brees mentoring uh, with Tyson Hill and how to run into the goal line. Yeah. Oh my god. All right, so um, did I miss anything else? Uh, no news on CLG yet. Uh, for oh, so was it R- RJS? And it looks like Pobelter's playing this week, maybe <laughs> again. Brox is still in Europe with the travel and visa issues, but looks like we might have some like a hot hand situation with Pobelter and RJS. I don't know. He looked pretty good last week. What did you guys think of RJS? I mean, at least he looked good in the one game. No, we we can get. To I'm this guessing. Week. I mean, I, I'm guessing we're seeing RJS again because Pobelter played Academy today. Oh, so okay. Well, I'm, I'm guessing we're we're going to see RJS, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Also, for people that didn't know, I knew a lot of people mentioned to me that they didn't realize this. RJS is Deus, yeah. who was the top laner last year. Just for anybody that didn't recognize, mm-hmm. which is, I thought it was real weird that they would that they last week. I was just so confused why they would play him ahead of Poe Belter. Like, does he really become a better mid laner than Poe Belter in one off season? Like, it just seems seem bizarre to me. It's weird. Yeah, I, I, we can touch on that more when we get to LCS, I think. Um, so, the LCK and the LPL are on break. This is, I think, like, about as good a point as it's, it's about the mid-season point. We've got a little bit more than half a season left in both. So, I figured this is as good a time as any to do, like, our, our report cards, I guess. We don't have to go specifically team by team, but I wrote down some trend stuff here in terms of, you know, favorites and, and underdogs and covering and kill totals and all this stuff that we can go through in a little bit. But before before I get to that, Let's start with the LCK. Teams that you think have, like, I guess, like, you know, stock up, stock down kind of situations, right? Um, who has surprised you? Who do you think is going to crash and burn? Who do you think is going to rise up in the second half? Uh, any slow starters that you think? Just, like, general takes, specific players. Any kind of general take you have on the LCK, I think just, we'll just put it out there. We'll just go, we'll just round table this. I'll give you a couple quick ones. Uh, obviously, we talked about it last week, but I got to eat my hat on Choby. Choby is uh, – they had a bad last series there, but Choby's definitely stepped up this year where I thought he was going to slink, slink into the background. So, HLE is definitely the team that's overperformed my expectations the most. 
Uh, I kind of have to eat my hat on Nong Chim Red Force as well. I thought they were going to have a really big year here. I thought Peanut was like a really good jungler for them, and they've really underperformed what I was expecting. I was hoping that he would bring them into like the aggressive 2021 mindset because I thought they had the talent on the players but not the right strategy. And I thought bringing Peanut in would would accelerate the strategy, and that didn't really work out either. They haven't been they haven't really been accelerated, and they haven't been any better. I uh, they've so, looked a little bit better as they've gone, but not as much as they're better than they were last year. But I I didn't think I thought they were like a potential like top four team. And that's not what I'm seeing. I don't know if they're better than they were last year. I think they're better than last year. Last year, they started off really hot in their first like five series. And then in their last like 13 series, they went like two and 11 or something like that. I think they were like a better. I hate using discipline because it sounds so cliche or whatever. But like they were a better, I think, fundamental team last year, even if the upside wasn't there. So I don't know. Nongshim are honestly like a mystery to me. Like I don't know what's it, like. I, my gut tells me that you you can only be so good if you don't have a good mid laner, and Bay just hasn't been good. That's so, true. I, like, but I mean, Afrika, you know, I, we bust on Fly all the time, but Fly is like serviceable. He's just like a guy. He's just like a, a he's solid. He's not really going to lose you many games. He's you know he's not going to elevate players. But Bay has been, like, actively bad. He's had, like, maybe one or two games that he's looked decent this entire season. So I'm, like, I'm starting to wonder, do they bring somebody else in after the break? That w- I wouldn't be uh, opposed to that at all. Um, what do that. you think about this? What do you think about this whole T1 situation? T1, I think this year's T1 is the most confusing team I've ever seen in any league in, in the history of League of Legends. Just, like... A variety of performances ranging from like two to ten, thirty-seven different roster combinations. Yeah. You have to look over to try to decide if there's any like if any of this variance is being caused by roster combination or if it's just game to game or just one of the most confusing teams. I still think this is a top three team probably, but I'm I, I had them ranked first coming into the season. I'm not sure. I think they're going to be first anymore. Yeah, I uh, I guess before we before we dip into did you uh, Josh and Chris, did you have anything on Nongshim? For me, Nongshim has performed the way I expected. Not any worse, not any better than last. You know, like the, at the end of the year, they'll be around there. They, I think they'll be like they'll have some like unexpected wins and probably a lot of unexpected losses. But they're not volatile. They're very solid overall um, compared to all the other LCK bottom teams. That have Josh, what do you, Josh, what do you think? Up, up, down, hold. Where are we at on, on Nongshim? Uh, I think they're about where I had them preseason. I think they're just outside of the playoffs looking in, on the outside looking in. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with them. T- all right, T1. Um, I think obviously – I think I think T1 and Dragonex have been like the, the real polarizing teams. And I guess like Hanwha Life have exceeded a lot of people's expectations as well. But uh, T1. Okay, so I personally think – and this is very dangerous to say – I think I've figured this team out. They are just super high volatility when Faker's not in the lineup. I don't care what the rest of the lineup is. Doesn't matter what it doesn't seem like it matters what jungler, top laner, AD carry. It doesn't seem to matter if Faker's in. We know what kind of team they are. I don't know necessarily like how high a ceiling they're going to be with all these different iterations and how low a floor they're going to be with all these different iterations. The one thing I do know is like if you had to do I'm trying to think of like if you had to do like a volatility index for a T1, right? When Faker's in, it's like a known quantity, right? Like it's within this realm. 
Like I, I'm, I'm on the stream right now. Twitch.tv slash the sports department, by the way. It, there's a, there's a range of outcomes that like you you know what to expect when Faker's in the lineup. Sl- uh, not necessarily slower games, but more disciplined games, smarter mid and late game decisions. For whatever reason, I don't even know if he's the primary shot caller. Historically, Faker has not been the primary shot caller on his teams, right? It's been kind of a shared duty. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the veteran voice or some kind of calming voice or someone saying, no, don't do that. I have no idea. For whatever reason, that's the way it seems to me. When closers in the lineup, it seems a lot more wild, like higher variance. They look amazing. They completely stomp people sometimes when he's in. We saw this at the beginning of the season. And then other times, they don't know how to say no to a fight. It's almost like a like a mid-table LPL team that's just like... No, we're just, they look like they look like better rogue warriors when closes in the lineup. Like, I don't know. Like, the talent's clearly there, but that that's my read on T one. So, like, I, I've been it's I'd imagine it's frustrating as hell, but um, it shouldn't be. I'll check. Um, I'd imagine it's fr- it's frustrating as hell, like from a DFS standpoint. But like, they haven't been doing a lot of like changing in between games either. It's mostly been like sticking for the series, but yeah, thoughts on T one, Josh. They're a really frustrating team. Um, I, I definitely think what you're saying is correct. They're a lot more variant when Faker's not in the lineup, but it's it's just it's also ever hard to tell if that's actually real or yeah, if they're like yeah. telling closer to play like that or something. Like if it's their game plan, I don't know. It's 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 so difficult to, to be able to tell. And with the LCK, like we're not going to know the lineups very often before, at least for DFS purposes, before slate lock, um, unless you want to stay up, you know, all hours of the night, which you can. Um, but it, it's just tough. I mean, they've had some. They it's not even really that they play better or worse is the weird thing, right? It's, it's just, just different. More, yeah, it's just different. The more volatile, because like we've seen more volatile teams do well, you know, in the past. IG, uh, you know, G two to an extent. Like we've I seen would these teams. Fun plus, like for most plus, most yeah. of that year, of that they won the championship, they were like a fairly volatile team. They got better and better as the season went on. But yeah, yeah, and I think it's, I do think it's honestly like ultimately good. I I just think it's tough, man. Like as a player in this game that requires so much energy, I just feel like it'd be tough. Like they're constantly changing. Literally, they changed for. I, they haven't changed support. That's the only position they haven't changed, right? And, uh, yeah, now they've changed. Yeah. Yeah, only yeah. support. <laughs> so it's just, like, it's got to be tough and a little bit frustrating for these guys to try and figure out, like, all right, well, if, you know, if I'm Teddy, I know how to play with Faker, obviously, but here's how I have to play when I have Closer and Cuz. Here's how I have to play when I have Faker and Elam. Here's how I have to play when I have, you know. It's just, like, so many permutations. It's got to be tough on them, which yeah. which kind of stinks. But I think, ultimately, you know, we've talked about team subbing in the past. And I think, in the grand scheme of things, it'll probably be good. So. Do, do we think this is – so, like, we've definitely seen indications, signs that this is, like, matchup specific at times. But other times it just seems like they're they're doing whatever. Like, how much of this do you think is them just – it's spring – and they're they have this insanely stacked talent roster, and they want to find out what they have. Because I, th- I I kind of think it's like eighty percent that they want to just find out what iterations work, and they want to get everybody some reps. I agree on that. I do think that if you if you got into the mind of the T one management, and not what they were saying out loud, but what was in their minds, I think in their minds, Gumiuzi and Closer 
are the lineup that they're looking at for the future. Yeah. Like yeah. The, and and what they're trying to decide right now is like how much stage time can we give those guys while still like not pissing everyone off? Yeah. Like we 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 can't lose a bunch and not play Faker and Teddy and and have everyone yelling at us and we can, we we don't want to lose a lot. So if these guys aren't like gelling perfectly quite yet, then we'll bring back in Teddy or bring back in Faker and we'll try to but I think the goal for them is not like see who's going to be our guy between Teddy and Gumiusi or Closer and Faker. I think they know that Closer and, and Gumiusi are yeah. the future of the organization. Yeah. They're just trying to figure out how how quickly they can get them into the roster while not, you know, upsetting the hate cart, so to speak. Yeah. Or or they're ultra big branding this and they're just trying to puff them up to move them <laughs> before they that, that would be the genius move if they're like, <laughs> Faker and Teddy are the future, but if we get Gumiusi and Closer famous enough, we can trade them for an elite top laner or like you know, something Faker, like that. Faker and Faker and Teddy are just like, nah, man, we're good for another three or four years. Don't worry about it. Like this. <laughs> Where do you go crazy. from Zayas? Where do you go from Zayas? I think he's just there. He's looked uh, – so you got to remember. Th- so for those that don't know, Zeus, Zayas, whatever. I- I've been calling him Zeus, but he's he literally turned 17 on the 31st of January. This is a guy that they've had like in their pipeline for a while. Clearly – mega talented literally just threw him onto the lck stage like a week after he turned 17 and he looked pretty good to me so that's promising reminds me a lot of carrier carrier was like carrier was really really young last year when he started playing and it's like holy cow like you know there's a lot of nuance to playing top lane at the pro level and he was just like no nah, i'm good i got it and he looks pretty pretty good in his start so the embarrassment of riches continues, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so I don't want to spend too much time on T1, but that, I think that's kind of tr- – try not to get too frustrated because I do think there's a little bit of everything going on here with T1 where I do think it's it's a little what John said where it's like, okay, like clearly this looks like the future, but like you can't keep losing either. But they probably do want to get them, you know, reps in like building and coming back in a series and learning how to lose and all this stuff. But you know, we saw last year when you played closer against the bottom half teams, he was stomping everyone, and then they tried to play him in playoffs against Afrika even, and even against Afrika, he had trouble. So it was, it was kind of a, uh, yeah, they're in kind of a weird spot. But I, I, I trust their management to get this right, only because they've they've gotten it right multiple times before doing this kind of thing. It's just more volatile than we've ever seen it with them. Usually it's like one or two positions are subbing, and that like is just a frequent thing for the season. We've seen the whole team, you know, all over the place. So, um, anything? Oh, DRX. We've talked ad nauseum about. Um, yeah, my my thoughts on them have not changed. I think they're gonna, when you they're look gonna statistically, crash I definitely think they're going to crash. I do have an- another team I'm interested in your opinion on though. Yeah. How do you feel about Gen G? There's only four teams in the league right now that have positive records, and Gen G has lost to the other three. They're, uh, they're they have a positive record, but they've lost to the other three teams that have positive records. Well, so they far played this year. they played Karis and Flawless against Dam One, didn't they? Yeah, they have they have played. They've switched back and forth in the jungle, and they played Karis once. Are you worried at all about them though? Having no. like they started off the season super strong, and then in their last couple weeks, they've lost three matches and all to the other top teams. I'm not particularly worried about Genji, only because like this is the first time we've seen subs from this team, and I mean, besides they had the support, they had Kellen in life last year, but. I'm not particularly worried about Gen G. I think they're one of the elite teams still. I just think this was kind of like January, February hiccups, and then they brought Karis looked terrible in that series. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't really. I kind of just want to throw that out 
but uh, I don't know. Losing to DRX and DRX loss is pretty rough for me. But they also they lost to HLE as well. I'm going to check and see because I forget if Karis played two. I I might be mixing this up. He might not have played against Dan One. It might have been against DRX. I'm going to take a quick look. I don't think it was the DRX matchup. Uh, He played against. Yeah, I mean, they came back and, like, stomped Nongshim when they started the full lineup. So they played Karis against DRX, and they played Karis and Flawless against... Oh, they played just Flawless against Sandbox, and they played just Flawless against Genji. So Karis only played the, the one series. That's my bad. So that was the DRX series, so that kind of explains that a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Gen, they're kind of interesting, but I I, I think Genji's they're really good. It's just kind of like they're they're the Damwon situation. I mean, if you look at their underlying stuff, it's not quite as good, but it's also a small sample size, and they've also had some losses already. So it's kind of I, they're going to get. I think they're going to be. I, I think that's your top two right now. Uh, Hamwa, I kind of think I see Hamwa kind of maybe falling back down, but maybe they don't. Hamwa have been really really good. So different different style of team. Maybe we have a top three. Maybe we have a top four again. Maybe Hanwha is in that top four, and we have four elite teams and then the rest in the LCK. Um, okay. I wrote down some some just some trend stuff. I'll, t- I'll just tag this on at the end here, and if you guys have anything uh, that's weird to you, you know, feel free to point it out. But uh, LCK, we've had 40 matches. Favorites are 25 and 15. But they're only 15 and 25 against the map spread, so have not been 2-0ing. Underdogs have 2-0'd seven times. Favorites are 44% against the kill spread. 53% of totals have gone under. Uh, 51% of games have gone over the time total. Um, favorites have covered their team total in just – I have this inverse. They've covered their team total about 42% of the time. And underdogs have covered their team total about 60% of the time, which makes sense given the the underdog map spread situation, right? Average kill spread in the LCK is 5.5 kills. Average time has been 32.35 minutes. And team totals have been about 14 to 9 is the the average numbers we're looking at here. And the kill totals have been about 23.5. So, man, that that feels – that kill spread average feels really low, right? It is. It is. But it that, makes that sense given like... the total. It makes sense given that the totals are significantly lower, though. Yeah. So. Yeah. The lower the overall game totals are, the lower the spread will be, and the less the spreads will cover. Obviously. Yeah. And well, so it's kind of it's kind of weird when you compress a total. It makes it like very little room for error for the favorites. And in the LCK specifically, we've seen a lot of games that are like you know nine to six or t- twelve to twelve to seven. You know, like those kind of games. So I think that kind of contributes to underdogs uh, covering the total a lot. Low totals still going under, I think, is the main takeaway from this. And if that's the case, that's also going to boost kill spreads because kill spreads gain more value when the total's consistently going under an already low number. And if the kill spread's not adjusted enough, then you can get some advantages there for sure. There's a, a DFS thing I would want to throw into this because mm-hmm. I know still we still have a lot of listeners that yeah. started with League uh, right about the the time that the coronavirus happened and and the other sports died, 
And a lot of those people I've noticed this year have, have reached out to me and asked me about stuff because when they started playing was the only split I remember where the else where some LCK teams were equivalent to LPL teams in scoring. Oh yeah, it's like the only time in history that I, that the LCK teams have had, and it wasn't all the LCK teams, yeah. but there was a couple of them. And then this split, and I, that killed me on a lot of slates last year. LCK teams having huge scores, and when I don't usually play LCK teams unless I'm forced to. Mm-hmm. This year, it's gone back to normal. And I've had a lot of people like reaching out to me, like, "Oh, I can't believe you know SKT or Gen G or these teams like are letting me down." But like, I think a lot of people don't realize that in the entire history of League of Legends, they would have always let you down. Last split was the part. only split. Last split was the only split where they would not have let you yeah. down. And even last split, like the highest scoring LP, LC, or LCK team was like a mid scoring LPL team. Yeah. yeah, they were still like an average well, LCK team and what's interesting win what's interesting about last year too is that the LPL was slightly lower scoring than it usually is, like not by much, but the combination of those two things and you having those is Genji and Damwon. Like Genji especially were like the yep, like the outliers. So like they and were just Damwon, blowing up all the If you look at Damwon, they're they're like a really good example because I think they've been killing a lot of people this year. Yeah. Uh, as a specific team is them and them and Gen G, like you said, this year Damwon is a fifteen point two kill per win and fourteen point five death per loss. I think they, that they would were like be eighteen something last year, weren't they? They would be the eighteenth team in the LPL for kill <laughs> per win. So they're li- they would literally be the last team in the LPL, and they would be the second to last team in death per loss. Yeah. So uh, last year they were like a reasonably bloody team, and people played them a lot, especially since they were big favorites a lot. Um. That is your advantage this year as a DFS player. Don't play them. Yeah. They they don't score well enough, and they're always huge favorites, and people that are casuals love huge favorites. Mm-hmm. So a big advantage this year has been not playing Damwon and not playing Gen G. So yeah. just worth noting, unless something changes. Yeah. They, they've had a trend. couple spike performances, but, yeah, like for the most part, it's been way, way under expectation. Well, not Yeah, they're very low scoring compared to the LPL this year as yeah. opposed to last split. Did Damn I just what, hear John jinx us into Gen G hard stomping at the end of every game? <laughs> yeah, end of the split? Gen, G, Gen G's averaging 25 kills per win for the rest of the split now, but dude, uh, I will say like, Dan, I mean, Damwon specifically have just been like grinding people to a halt, like to a pulp every game. Like they're just laning people to death every single game. It's kind of nuts to watch. How many? It's like uh, it's like nine, nine to six, and they have like a seven k gold lead. It's like what is going on in this game, dude? Like they're ridiculous still. Um. LPL. Any other thoughts on the LCK overall? Chovy is uh, yes going to the moon. Win the MVP. I hope. Buy dollar sign chvy. Yeah. <laughs> Big true dude. He's been. I am glad that. It he is just good. I, I'm really really glad to see that because like, I mean one of the reasonable. There, there was, like, a non-zero chance that it just was the full everything. Him being a certain way and the CV Max system being a certain way, and it was just the perfect meld. And now it just turns out he's he's a beast. It doesn't matter where you put him. And I'm, I'm glad that's true because that projects well for his future, I think. So that was one of the main that, – that was, that was, like, the nightmare scenario for him going into the season. I'm glad that hasn't been the case. Arthur – I'll say this. I think most surprising player has been Arthur. That's very true. He's I been agree. very good. He's been very good yeah. this season, and he keeps getting better. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, yeah. I was just saying that in each of my uh, DFS write-up, I always put Arthur right after Chovy as the must-have in your line because he really does help this team 
uh, get ahead. Yeah, I do. I do know. I do like that Arthur knows where his bread's buttered too. Like, so if he gets so much of a jungle attention that he's ever gotten in his career, which is kind of cool too. Maybe that's unlocking him a little bit. Um, LPL. Uh, big surprises. LNG, I guess, is like the big surprise. Or is the big surprise like really how dominant FPX have been? Because that's... Yeah, FPX has looked completely unlocked uh, with their new roster. Uh, EDG being the best team in the league so far is a little surprising. Like, I mean, statistically they're not, but as far as like record, they're the best team in the league. And that, that, I think, we thought they were going to be good, but I don't know if we thought they were going to be... Seven I didn't think they were going to be undefeated going into the break. I don't think yeah, anybody exactly. did. Uh, let's see. The fall, WE's fallen off a little bit. Surprised me a little bit. They are about where we might have expected them to be going into the season after eight games. About five and three or six and two was what I would have expected. But the trajectory is not right. They does, were really good at the beginning of the season and then fallen off a little it bit. It does since feel kind of bad that they had, like, it seemed like they were, like, hitting a, hitting a stride and Shanks had the, the personal thing he had to take, what, two matches all for. Yeah, kind of disrupt. It felt like it disrupted things because when he even like the first couple matches he came back, like they didn't look bad. It just wasn't as sharp. I would say it's important to remember top esports is three and three. I think there's a reasonable argument that they're you know going to make a pretty strong run here in the second half yeah. of the season. But they're three. They're three and three. That's definitely something that we didn't expect coming into the year. Yeah. Viper's been absolutely nails. <clears throat> I agree with Kev. He's been he's been lights out. He kind of uh, looks. It looks. It looks like he was like, "Yeah, see, you should. I should have been in challenger last season." <laughs> or not, he was we on maybe, hotline, I guess, but you know, we maybe should have expected this, but I didn't really expect it to this level. As Rogue Warriors is by far the worst team in the league. Oh, yeah, like, if terrible. you look at statistics and stuff, they are like way worse even than like E Star or LGD or they're OMG. Awful. Like, they're like in their own tier of bad, which is I didn't. I expected them to be like a bottom six. So team. like. Maybe not the worst by a mile. Part of part of the problem is they haven't had a bot lane. Like that's obvious, right? Like we've had the revolving door. They're trying. They're just throwing darts at this point. They have no idea what's going on. And it's like choose a fan to play AD carry. Yeah, I don't know what happened with. So like Betty's having like visa issues, like visa quarantine, like combination issues. Where like that's what's that's the hold up here, but. This hodgepodge at bottom lane has been bad, and then you combine that with the fact that that Ziv has not made the transition as well as some of the L- other LMS players have made it. He's he's really been struggling, and like I think honestly, like Haro, Haro and Forge have been okay. Not, nothing to write home about, but like when your outer lanes are getting dumped every game, it's it's really hard to do anything. And uh, yeah, they've they've been they've been terrible. They've been absolutely terrible. I. I I do feel kind of bad because, like, I, I, part of me wants to feel bad because you don't, you can't see this kind of stuff coming. But if you did see this stuff coming and it was something that could have been avoided going into the season, obviously I'd like to be a fly on the wall and know that. But if this was like a, an avoidable situation, then shame on them. Like they could have gone and picked up any number of free. They could have picked up Prince of FPX. Just let Prince walk. Like they definitely could have picked someone like that up. Like, or what's going on with Wuji? That, there's clearly something going on behind the scenes there. Like, he's just dejected or pissed or they don't like him or something along those lines. I have no idea, but, yeah, they're pretty bad. Uh, LNG, I guess, is uh, – see, I kind of think LNG are, are going to – they're going to fall back a little bit. I don't think they're going to crash and burn necessarily. They've looked pretty good to me. But I think they're going to fall back, and then they're going to end up in that group that's competing for a playoff spot. 
Yeah, I mean, they're in seventh right now. I think they're going to hold a playoff spot, personally. I think they're going to end up yeah. being a lower-tier playoff team, seventh, eighth, yeah. somewhere right around there. I'll say something I think we got right, and I think we were pretty unanimous as a cast about it, which is Sunning. Uh, yeah. Not only is Sunning down in 12th at 3-4, and four, but their stats pretty much say that that's where they belong. Yeah. Like, it's not like an example of a team that's, like, you know, underperforming for whatever. Their schedule hasn't been that hard, and their stats are pretty much saying that's about where they belong. And I think we were pretty unanimous that that's about where they were going to be like a little bit higher than that i think was the average but yeah but yeah good call by us on that one I'm trying to think of what else top are going to rebound right like the top's underlying stuff is still there they just they're they're really really good still top still, is an example of a team that the position that they're in is not what their stats indicate absolutely. their stats indicate that they're way better than where they are right now yeah um they're they're going to be in the conversation at the end of the season for sure. Uh, what you guys think of? What have you guys thought of Zuo so far? It's been okay. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think he was like standout positive or standout negative. Seems like a league averageish support to me. Who else has been RNG? I guess that's the that's the other big one, right? Is RNG are just a good team even while Zhao is figuring this stuff out in the top lane, which I think is incredible. Like. How good could this team be if he ends up being just a very good top laner? Like, he's only going to get better. That matchup against Invictus was super important for me yeah. uh, when it came to this team because I I thought if they could get through Invictus, it would show some real promise. Not because Invictus is super good, but just because of that top lane matchup, that that Jauhu versus the Shy. If they could survive that, I felt a lot better about yeah. them, and they did survive it. They, they did fine in that matchup. You could, so. you could argue they shouldn't have survived that series, but it was close <laughs> yeah. series either way. So, yeah, they, they survived it, and I think you know, I thought I played mostly IG that day. I thought IG was just going to run them over I, with I the shy, too. and, and they too. they performed well considering the, the circumstances. That third game was frustrating. <laughs> um, yeah, RNG have been, I want to say as advertised, but like when you, it turns out when you when you have crying. And Wei is an absolute savage still, and <laughs> you put him with these laners, it's good things are going to happen. So, yeah. There's two teams I kind of wanted to pinpoint to talk about. Yeah, go for it. Uh, the first one's Rare Adam. Rare Adam's uh, actually, they're a team that jumped out to me as somebody that maybe we want to add a little value to in the second half of the season. Their stats and record kind of, I just did a video about this for people that already watched it, they'll already know this, but... Their, their stats and the, the strength of competition they face tells me they're probably going to be a little better in the second half than they were in the first half. And then the other one is JDG. JDG has played by far the toughest schedule in the LPL so far. And so the second half of the season, even though they're only 4-3 and three right now and the stats aren't great, the second half of the season looks really good for JDG. I think you're going to see them make a surge and, and stay up in the top four or five, even though they haven't looked as good this season as they did last season. Josh, thoughts on those? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not as big a fan of Rare Adam because they just continue to seem like the weird piece, but I do like yeah. like the weird team in the LPL. Like, they just don't belong type deal. But I think that can be a successful strategy, too, like kind of zig another zag type deal. Billy Billy did um, it last year, too, or 2019 yeah. last year. But Yeah, and they they do have players. Like, I th- the weird thing is, like, I feel like Rare Adam, as, like, on an individual player level, is kind of, like, underrated. But then, like, the team, I don't know how to feel. Like, it feels like kind of they're rated properly in my brain. But I definitely could see what John's saying about them having a stronger second half than they have because they're, what, 4-4 four and four or 4-3 four and three right now? Something yeah, 4-3. Like and, and I don't think they're going to be, like, a championship contender, but It'll it just feels like they're team, they're think. probably going to hold into a playoff team from what we've seen yeah. statistically. Does, uh, yeah. 
I have them in that same tier as like you know the LNG right now, Billy Billy type. Battling. Do they feel little Chargers esque to you, Josh? Where it's like individually, yeah, like, maybe why that's can't they, it. Why can't they put this together? Like it feels like, yeah. Cube, by the way, Cube has been nuts this season. He's been yeah. like putting people. He's put a, he's put a lot of good top laners in the dumpsters. So, yeah, yeah that's that's a good way to describe it. It's we, yeah, it's weird. It feels like they 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 have all these good pieces and they just can't put it together. But if they ever do, they're going to be very good. So I tend to like want to buy teams like that, and you know, sometimes it's just not never going to come together, and you get burned. But yeah, I I think they're they're going to settle into like that that six to nine or ten range probably. I think they're probably going to be a playoff team. Um, what about BLG? I think they're kind of in that same conversation where it's like they've had so BLG have had some really weird series, like they've had weird losses, which I think is like a red flag to a lot of people. But they've also had some good series against good teams too. Like they've been competitive. Like part of me thinks this team's going to take some time to gel, but they're going to be in that same conversation with 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 Rare Adam and LNG. I think that it's hard for me to see this team being far out of playoff contention. They're going to be like in that conversation too. I think they're going to get better as it goes on. Um, anything else? Oh uh, yeah, I guess I'll do the LPL trends going on here. So we've had 62 matches. Favorites are 44 and 18 straight up. Way more chalky than usual in the LPL, by the way, especially in spring. It's not usually this chalky. Um, favorites are 33 and 29 against the spread, map spread. There have been 11 underdog to us. So when the underdogs are winning, most of the time it's it's a clean sweep. Uh, that's and I, I went back and looked at it. that hasn't been too many like egregious pricing situations either. That's just been like straight up upsets because like a lot of times this is like front loaded, like the beginning of the season the prices are just wrong and you just have underdog teams winning. And most of the I think like nine out of these eleven were were like straight up just upsets. So, um, favorites covering the kill spread a little over fifty percent. Kill totals have gone over. See LPL surprise surprise, but only fifty about fifty five percent of the time. Time totals have gone under. 61% of the time. And it's been a shade over 32 minutes average time total based on the lines. So that's including like some 31s. There's been a lot of 31s in the LPL when you get these big favorites. So, you know, it's been a lot of speed run kind of games and a lot of them have been rogue warriors, but <laughs> um, yeah, that's a pretty big percentage. Favorites have been not covering their team total. Very well, sub fifty. Underdogs haven't been covering very well either, which is weird, because um, you're still getting overs, which means like there's a lot of games that are just like weird blowouts. Yeah, average kill spread in the LPL is six point three four as opposed to five point five or five two five in the LCK. Totals twenty six point four as opposed to twenty three point four, and you know slightly shorter game times and slightly higher on the other totals. So. It's kind of wild to me that you've got shorter time totals and the adjustment's been made, but that has also been not front-loaded. Like, a lot of times you'll get situations where these numbers can get skewed a little bit because they were long on time totals at the beginning of the season. Like, oh, they were just throwing 33s and 32s out for most of it. It's been, like, 32 and then shifting down for a lot of the season, and you only get 33s for, like, your Billy Billy Rare Adam matchups and Sooning matchups, right? So... When the teams are winning, it's been, like, speedrun central. Like, not a lot of competitive, like, macro games in the LPL. It's been a lot of either 
absolute blowouts, especially in the last couple of weeks, or these super long Clown Fiesta games where neither team knows how to close or there's crazy smite steals and stuff. So, um, overarching trends, kill totals over, time totals under in the LPL. That's like the, the, the main takeaway. And favorites have been fairly chalky, which is kind of wild. Usually the LPL in the springtime especially is not like that. And we've had a lot of roster changes, and that still hasn't been the case. So, uh, any general thoughts on that? Or you guys want to hop into the LAC LCS? I'm happy to go into the LEC LCS. All right. Let's rock and roll then. LEC week four. We've got some of these lines, by the way, this week are dumb. I think like, I think there's a lot of advantageous positions in the market this week. We've got Shaka minus 357, Astralis plus 245. So, reminder that Astralis is going to have Magi Felix playing. Do we think that's the uh, spark that this team needs? Because they've looked... What has Astralis played, like, one decent game this se- this season? They've been pretty yeah, they bad. They haven't looked good, and uh, I'm not sure that the mid lane is where they really needed. I mean, Nuke Duck hasn't been good, but I'm not sure that, that the mid lane was really where I would go to try to fix the team. Yeah. And Shalka has been by far the biggest overperformance uh, of the year. Uh, so I think, yes, I don't think I can bet this one. I don't think I'm going to bet Astralis. I agree with your question marks there, by the way, Josh. We'll talk we're, about that, we're in, a get that's to the, that in a bit. That's like, some pick of the week level stuff there. Yeah. I, so thoughts on Astralis, Josh, before you blow up about this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it. Um, yeah, uh, Astralis has been – I actually don't think they've been as bad as I expected, personally. Um, I, I thought they've looked a little bit better. I just think their bot lane's kind of doomed. Promise you is really, really not good. They have um, the same problem as Rogue Warriors. Like White Knight's been terrible too. Yeah. So like outer yeah. lanes have been bad. It's been it's like 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 I don't hate Nuke Duck as much as most people do these days, but like if Nuke Duck's been like the solid force on this, yeah, not a good look. Yeah, it's been pretty ugly. I mean, uh, Zen's like they've they've all had some pretty ugly moments, but. Nuke Duck has by far looked like the best player on the team. It's just like promise you, I like I, I have no idea what he's doing a lot of the time. He was just he, takes some really weird engages all the time, and I don't know. Was he just being carried by G two? Because he looked so good. Was it MSI? I mean, it was a long time ago. I know but. they were good in Masters last year too. That bot lane, Jessica promised promise you on Mouse, but like, yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, Mouse was just a good team all around, so we. I don't know. Like he, he's just a little bit. I think he is just on the wrong team, sort of. Like he needs a team that's gonna follow him when he goes in. Because he, if not, it, you just look bad as a he looks like he'll support. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It, we talked about this going into the season, where like stylistically, this might not be a great fit unless this team was gonna reinvent itself. And it's not like they haven't been making aggressive. Like, to me, this is like a full team problem. Like I can point to the top lane and and the bottom lane. And obviously, there's there's deficiencies there that you could point to, and that's just going to limit how good they can possibly be. But like, even as a team, they don't look like they're ever on the same page. Not just with Promise Q. Like, there's a lot of times with Zen, like Zanzara and Nuke Duck, just have been like clearly not on the same page about something. Uh, just so many different things. Like, they never look like they they have the same thought about what's going on. It looks, it literally looks like a solo queue game every time they're playing, and it looks like they're playing solo queue against like an organized team. And, like, sometimes they can jump out the stuff or pick, snipe a few kills here or there with an outplay or something, but, like, they never put it all together. They really do look like Rogue Warriors. They look just like Rogue Warriors. Deficiencies in the outer lanes, 
and never on the same page about anything. But I'll give Rogue Warriors credit for one thing. At least at least Haro makes everybody get on the same page about stuff, whether it's right or wrong. So maybe Felix a little I don't know. Nuke sucks it's not like he hasn't been playing aggressive either. He's been trying to do stuff. I, I'm with you guys. The mid lane wasn't even the issue. This is a team issue, right? Like I don't know I don't know how much better they can be until until they fix the overall you know equation. The the, the result of the whole thing. So uh seven and a half kill spread here. Maybe worth a look. For Shalka. Uh Vitality. Minus one oh eight. Excel. Minus one twenty three. I finally get to go against John and feel good about it. Feels really good. <laughs> Feels really, really good in this spot. But yeah, I just uh a couple close lines for Vitality. I, I I mean I really would like to see them plus money here, if we're being completely honest. Don't be because yeah, but I mean, from what we've seen so far, Excel looked like you know a much better team. Like they're you know so far four and three versus one and six. You would love to see plus odds there, but it looks like the books are kind of holding pat on being a little bit intelligent here. So a little bit frustrating from that angle, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have bad things to say about Excel. They looked pretty good last week, from what I remember. Um, for some reason, I'm blanking on. They what played, their comp looked like, I don't know why. But they played more normal looking stuff the last couple of yeah, week, couple of matches. I'm gonna play yeah, and, right now. Yeah, let's see, they played uh, Gragas top on. Yeah, I don't. I just think the biggest thing we talked about it before the season, but I just think the biggest thing here is Cries, um, trying to unlocking him. Yeah, he played Cho'Gath and Gragas, so they're putting him more on like tanky stuff rather than these enchanters and stuff, and I think that's a little bit better. I still would like to see them unlock him a little bit on his carry potential, and this could be a good spot to do it against Sujenda, who's really struggled to start the season, but we'll see. Yeah, they have won their last three, but it's also been against SK, Misfits, and Astralis. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm so... I really wish Vitality was playing literally anybody else for their first game. <laughs> because it's not not only that like I think Excel is, is, is good, but I, th- I really think the books are undervaluing Excel badly. And so yeah. I think we're not getting the odds that we should get on Vitality here because I think the books think that XL sucks. When you look at their other lines, like the the, the book just thinks that XL's terrible, and so yeah. we're not getting the value we should on Vitality. If this was like XL minus one seventy five, Vitality plus one fifty or something, I would smash Vitality. Yeah. But now I think this I, is just I, a pass. I, know how I feel about it with with the odds at that level. I feel like I'm going to pass it and move to the next day, and then just smash Vitality the next day rather than betting this one. I think. Yeah, and we'll get to that, but the comparative line value for Vitality's two games yeah. is not even close. Yeah. I'll join in saying that Kreis was probably a pleasant improvement in his game, and that helped. I feel more comfortable with this version of Excel than I did last year when we were really high on Excel last year with uh, with that roster. But Chekalot making a good transition. Dan has not been too bad. Tori is still Tori. But yeah, um, overall, this is a... This is a DFS playable game, I think, and unless Vitality decides to play their turtle stuff. Huh. I wonder how... You are probably going to... Are these both going to be fairly low-owned? This might be a leverage spot, right? I haven't looked at the pricing. Yeah, they'll probably both get some ownership because both of them will probably be the kind of teams that you can fit a big team with. with like G2 or something. Yeah, like, like a that. G2 or a yeah. Fnatic. You can probably fit them with both of them, so... Hmm. Misfits plus two eighty against G two minus four seventeen. 
G2. Is G2's internet going to work this week or what? I hope so. I sure hope so. I mean, so here's the thing. Misfits, I don't think – I'm kind of – I feel a little bit vindicated that this team was clearly – this is a perfect example of don't overreact to the first things you see and don't overreact to highlight reels, right? Misfits have a way they want to play in mind. They want to play fast. They want to play to outplay. They want to win skirmishes. They want to win 1v1s. They're going to pick for lane. That's what they're going to do. I like it. I like that they have that identity. The problem is we've seen clearly that if you can stall out against them, they're going to they're gonna flame out. They're not enough good at this to close out games with a lead, even when they should. That game they was the one on Friday last week. They they definitely should have won that. And they just they had like this one three one like pick comp with like, I think it was LeBlanc and Jace, and they just never split ever. They were just like yeah you know we'll, let's group up against the it was like Orn or something. It's like let's group up against the Orn team. What what could happen? What could go wrong? And you know eventually they stalled. I think was was it Vitality? It might have been Excel. It was, it was Excel and it was, it was Excel. the Cho'Gath. Yeah, it was the Cho- they just yeah, got outscaled. They just got outscaled, and that's gonna happen, but. What I worry about is when I see teams try to do this and they don't show me the proper steps, like the procedure that you're supposed to take with a comp like this, it gives me cause for concern because it shows me that maybe they're just they're just playing this stuff because it feels comfortable to them, which is fine, I guess, but you're not going to be a long-term winner doing that. And maybe it was just a, a couple isolated incidents, but we've seen we've seen a couple games now where it's not just an outscaling thing. like It's a bad procedure situation, right? Like if you don't show me if you're gonna play that kind of stuff that's that's harder to execute. If you're gonna play that kind of stuff, you have to show me that you know the steps. You have to know the recipe, right? If you're gonna cook this way, you gotta know you gotta show me that you know you have the tools to do it, right? And I'm skeptical about that with this team. That said, don't you typically want these crazy variants like snowball y kind of situations against good teams for upset spots? Like I think generally you do, but G2's macro is just so good that like I don't see them losing this. Yeah, here's the problem with Vitality, uh, and we haven't touched on this uh, since misfits. week one. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Misfits. But Vadeo, and I didn't know this, I'm actually in a couple discords with European people just from like being in Crownies Discord and whatnot, but apparently Vadeo is like, well-known for having an insanely small champion pool. And if you look at his history, like he pretty much only plays – the only champions he plays really well are LeBlanc and Zoe. Yeah. And neither of them is particularly good in the current meta. And Zoe's good. Having it, I mean, she's okay. Zoe's good. LeBlanc, I think, is not. But yeah, yeah, I think Zoe's okay. But she, still, like, even if Zoe's the only good champion you can play in this meta, it's easy to ban you out against caps. Like, if you having a small champion pool is like the easiest thing to get destroyed by caps on. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So I don't know. I just, I just don't feel good. It's always going to be tough if they're facing. A non top tier mid laner, I think you can want to look at them as a punch up underdog. But against these like just absolute dominant mid laners, which there's really honestly, if you think about it, not too many in EU right now. There's a lot of new faces um, that we're kind of waiting yeah. to see how it how it pans out. But for me, yeah, I, I'm not going to be wanting to play them against like Rogue G2 or even like probably even Shalka, like anyone who I think the mid laner is just good enough to to put Vateo in a body bag. So different angle to attack this game from. So kill spreads eight and a half. Totals only twenty seven and a half, which is kind of low for a G two game. Usually they're like twenty eight, twenty nine. Misfits 
have been fight you, the team, right? Like them and Fnatic have just been like extremely bloody. Do we think G2 just get ahead enough and grind this game to a pulp? Or do we think like is the under worth the look there? I'd have to see what, what the under was, but it feels like G2 is going to be kind of variant in their scoring. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'm going to mess with uh, with betting this one. Yeah, I was just throwing a different angle you, of attack out there. Yeah, and if you just do a straight midpoint method on these two teams, their combined kills per minute and their average game times, you get a total of 28.6. Obviously, still working with tiny samples, seven games yeah. each. But yeah, that could give you an argument there if you wanted to, to bet the over yeah, uh, on it. Um. The other thing is, like, you, you got to, like, ask yourself, like, how many scripts play out a certain way. Like, if G2 gets behind, this is an over all over. Like, this, this is over, 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 over. Alt over is everything, right? If, but I could also just see them just hard stomping this, and it's, like, you know, 15 to 4 or something like that. So, um, Mad Lions, plus 162. Rogue, minus 222. Interesting. So, Mad getting a lot of disrespect this week after... Uh, like they didn't even look that bad. Like, yeah, sure. But what is the overreaction here to Mad this Carzy, week? Carzy's been pretty bad. Where he was an absolute monster last year. That's yeah. that's the, the biggest change for them. So I, think. I think everyone's pointing. Everyone's pointing to this. Seriously, feels like a huge overreaction to that that SK game, doesn't it? Oh, I definitely agree that Mad is super disrespected by the books like, right now. Like monstrously disrespected. They, but I don't know why. Like we can't bet this game. We'll talk. We'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah, like they ahead. had they had a weird they had a weird draft where they tried to next level SK and then SK came right back and did the jar. The, they did the driving Callista bottom lane, and they got they got games. And I don't know if you guys have ever played against that, but if they get a kill, the game's over. So I mean, it's not, but that snowballs to an unbelievable extent if you give them anything, and that the game just got away from. Them. Shit happens, you know. This is this. You got to treat this game as like a level one invade where the other team got three or four kills. That's the kind of like the same ballpark I treat this game in. Like sometimes it's just going to happen, right? Now, you could argue that they played it bad and that's what got them there, which I would agree with. But this is way overreacting, right? Uh, Rogue yeah, just, I mean, Rogue are also just really good though, so I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be on Mad Lions here, but I, I don't think I'm gonna bet. Side. I can't bring myself to even consider betting this game because there's just a better spot to bet yeah. uh, very soon. Rogue Rogue, I do think looks good. I, I'm sticking with my thoughts that Rogue is is gonna fall off in the second half of the season. I'll take all your Not, I'll take all your Rogue fade second half, dude. Oh, dude, I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> bet. I'll bet Rogue outside of top three. Really. I think at least outside of top two. Outside of top two, I would lock in a bet. Okay. Top yeah, three, I mean, it's a little closer. Yeah, fanatic G2 vitality. I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rogue's coming like third through fifth. I don't know, dude. I'll take that action. That's all I'll say on that. I think they're really, really good. Um, fanatic SK, fanatic minus three or three. SK gaming plus two fifteen. Fanatic have been. What like a one point five kills a minute in the first fifteen minutes of every game? It's like insane, right? <laughs> their DPL and their KPW. I mean, even their kills per loss. I mean, it's just this team wants to. It's like fight. full on LPL, right? Like old LPL. Like, this is just... the this is the new G two for for 
for DFS. I mean, G2 is still kind of the G2 of, DF- of DFS, yeah. but Fnatic is definitely the team you want to be involved with on both sides. Do we want to get into the com- – like, I, we have to have that conversation, right, where it's like, is it time to just be, like, fading them and hoping it hits every week, or do you just need to be on them every week? Is it, like, auto-locked Fnatic? I think in DFS it's a good idea to have some of their opponents in, mm-hmm. in big tournaments, no matter oh, yeah. who their opponents are, same as, same as G2 in the past. I mean, we yeah. saw SK pull an upset, like, last week – over mad we saw them more importantly in that upset do some really aggressive drafting stuff that's what you want to see in a spot like this like this kid this game could get really bloody it could also just be a fanatic stomp i that wouldn't surprise me either so let me pull the kill total up on that one uh 27 and a half six and a half kill spread maybe fanatic kill spreads the play They, I'm glad they shook off that rough week one, and they've they've looked really really good since then. Like they've, they're fun to watch. It's kind of wild, but I like it. Uh, Saturday, SK Gaming minus 105, Vitality minus 123, the Crowny Revenge game. Yeah, I mean, if if you're literally if you want to bet SK, you just hit my line. I will take any and all action. I'm here for it. I already found yeah, this. This is the spot. <laughs> We have a couple of these this week where it's like one line is playable, but why bother when this other line exists? And this is one of those lines for me. Like I can't see myself wanting to bet Vitality minus 108 against Excel when I can get Vitality at minus 123 against SK. So I already slammed yeah, Vitality. I, I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but just in case we have any listeners that have this problem, when I go on Bovada right now to look at this matchup, it doesn't exist. Like you can't see the line, it's but if I board. click if I click LEC for about ten seconds, the line shows up and then it disappears. But I can I can bet it as long as I click it before it disappears. I don't know if anybody else is having that problem, but just in case they need to, because I was waiting all week for this line, I never saw it. And then today, when I clicked LEC, I saw it for like two seconds, and then it disappeared. And so I reloaded the page and saw it again, and just snap clicked it real fast, and it went into my bet slip, so I could bet it. So if you want to bet this game, you might have that problem, but definitely yeah. bet. Yeah, I already hit this one. This the revenge angle. I don't think I will say I'm a little squeamish on it just because SK has shown a willingness to like. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna do that every game, but if they've shown a willingness to to, I mean, it was specifically against Mad Lions too. Mad Lions like to aggressively pick in the bottom lane, and that could be the spot to attack. But I don't crunch up. Crouchout might get 100 kills this yeah, game. Yeah, I, I, I'm with <laughs> he you. He might get 100. I, I am rarely in on the narrative, but this is just too perfect, right? I don't know. Yeah, he might just draft Zed or something. and just. <laughs> just Dude, I'm usually I'm might. usually the wet blanket in these situations, and even I'm excited, which means probably just fade this game. But <laughs> um, Misfits minus 185, Astralis plus 138. Why? Like I, I don't like what Misfits have done, but the, Astralis haven't shown me anything. This is, I, I, I hate, I hate myself for it, but give me Misfits slaying one eighty five. I could definitely see betting Misfits here because you know, I think you'll you'll disagree with me on the spot that I think is better to bet than this one. So I could see I I would be betting Misfits here if I didn't think that this other spot was way better. So we'll talk about it that one in a minute. Oh, well, it's another I mean, spot with a similar negative line value on the oh, slate. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of talking myself out of it. This team's just going to beat themselves a lot. I don't want to. I don't want to lay big money with them as a favorite. This is. I mean, by esports standards, this isn't. But I don't know. 
They might have been figured out. This might be the, the Magi Felix game. We'll see. Ah, Pipeus, you're right. You're right. I'm off of it. I talked myself I out might, of it. I think I might consider this a pick of the week. I'll think about it. Okay. Astralis or Misfits? Astralis. Okay. I can see it. Misfits are just going to lose games to themselves if they keep playing this way, but maybe they develop. We'll see. Shulka minus 196 against Mad Lions, plus 144. Over reaction season. Yeah, this is the egregious line where we talked about yesterday, like if if you were considering betting Mad at plus 162 against Rogue, why not just wait a day and bet Mad at plus 144 against Shulka, which seems like much more of a, a power bet. I already locked in my maximum on this one as well. I really like the uh, the Mad Lions here. Yeah. Josh. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to say it, but I do think um, – I think Karzi is a lot worse than people are giving him credit for because he kind of bursted onto the scene and has a sick personality and, like, Twitter and all that. But Kaiser's the real hero in that lane. That's, yeah, the, the thing is, like, that lane is – Kaiser's just insanely good. Um, and I think he can definitely take advantage of, of the Shulka bot lane a little bit. But Treats isn't, hasn't been bad. He's, He's been, been pretty, pretty – or, or not – not treats um limit is this is limit right uh god dang it it's think it's treats is yeah uh, limit yeah treats is sk or treats has also been good by the way yeah yeah sorry i'm just all the team switching but yeah um yeah anyway i think i think carzy has been kind of bad so he, he is like a little bit scary because like what you were saying about them against SK, like he threw that game straight up, like pulling the Tristana Wing into the, like turret range for no reason, not like level one or whatever it was, was absolutely insane. And then he died, like you said, and gave Jarvan Kalista just the game, right? Yeah. So it's always scary to me to see things like that. Like I understand he's an aggressive player, but he's just been a little bit off for me so far this year. So it's a little yeah. bit questionable um, there, but this, this line is just absolutely stupid. We talked about Chalka being a little bit overrated and, Magimus being incredibly undervalued if they think they're plus 144 yeah, against Shalka. These teams is, are at best the same right now. Yeah, like this This is what's weird about this is that I think Shalka have actually been good. But I, I just think Mad are being way disrespected. Like this should be even money or close to it. Maybe This should be like maybe you say Shalka's like minus 130 or something. Like give them the edge because they've been better so far. But yeah, give me Mad lines here. This isn't like a like second mortgage on the house kind of situation, but I think it's a great value for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't have any mortgages left to bet after you bet it all on Vitality against SK. Uh, this is true. This is true. Can you see third mortgage? <laughs> um, Fnatic minus 278, Excel plus 199. Do we trust Fnatic to be laying big numbers yet? Or are they just going to be like better misfits and beat themselves sometimes? I hate high volatility teams like this. I think I passed this one, or, yeah. or if you wanted, you, if I wanted, I would bet Excel if I was going to bet. But I'm, I think I just passed. Yeah, this one. I just like. That's I need fine. to see more if it's like if it's actually Fnatic being this good, or if it's just like they're just going to be stomp or be stomped. You know, I kind of need to see more before I'm willing to lay two seventy eight on it. Match of the week: we got G two minus one sixty seven against Rogue plus one twenty four. I mean, I'm I'll, I'm going to be on Rogue here. This is this is like this is our this is our hills to die on, John. Yep, this is this is the other one that I was just talking about. Where if you're gonna bet Misfits minus one eighty five, I'd much rather just walk it down the slate and bet G two minus one sixty seven. Uh, I don't think G two is losing to Rogue. I think I also think this version of G two is more consistent from what that, we've seen. That so far. I agree with. That I agree with. 
And so I think it's even less valuable betting against them because I think they're just as good as they were last split, but less volatile. And I think Rogue is worse this split than they were last split. So for me, it's a, it's a locked G2 bet at minus 167. I've already maxed this one out as well. Damn. You were way more bullish on that than I – I guess it's this is more more bearish on, on Rogue than bullish on G2, I think, right? Kind of a mixture of both. Mixture I really think G2 is like pretty much a lock to win the split. Like the, the the less volatility and same skill level is huge for me. Like they're they're just not as good to bet against, and they seem just about as good overall as a team. So just more safe. It's like betting on Damwon last season against anybody in the LCK. Josh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, the only team I'm betting against G2 is Vitality. <laughs> Chris. Vitality or Rogue? Or not Vitality or Rogue. Rogue or G2? Rogue or G2? Same, um, Vitality or G2, same thing. That's <laughs> I, uh, I think I'd rather watch this game than bet anything. I know you guys are, and, and, and you're right, Reckless has been good for G2 stability-wise. I do want to see what Rogue might want to... I'm trying to try something crazy because they want to challenge for the number one spot in Europe right now. And I think this is the game to show it, or maybe the second game that they face each other. But that said, I don't think I want to bet this one. I just want to watch it. Yeah, there's a very reasonable chance that I like do some more research on this, and this is just a pass. But like my gut reaction right away is definitely Rogue on this one. I think Rogue are actually good, but we'll find out, John. Yeah, we might have to make this conflicting pick of the weeks. <laughs> Um, I have a few other pick of the weeks that are a little better. Yeah, than I, one, I, do, I do too. I do too. Um, one else? thing, just to go ahead, Josh. Uh, I was just say one thing that's been interesting for me with Rogue, just to touch on quickly, is that like we kind of had Larson Profile as like a, a heavy like Power of Evil style player, where he's just going to play these hard scaling mages, but he's played Lucian in three of his seven games. Yeah. So if we're asking for more reasons why John actually hates Rogue, it's just because they've played Lucian <laughs> in three of their games. And but, fucking uh, Callista, dude. Yeah, but it's been interesting to see them like be able to play that style because it's not a, a team comp I would have expected from them. Like seeing Larson kind of on that type of champion has been really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting seeing them lean into that a little bit more because they like, are they definitely you're right that the the broadcast has them miscast. This rogue team has been very aggressive center picks like way more often. They're they're always treating them like they're the late game scaling like slow it down team, but that's not how they've been playing and drafting. Yeah. Which makes me like them even less, which is the whole and like half say, reason behind it. I'll say this, like even last year too, like they were by far the best early game team in the LEC, like numbers wise. Like wasn't even close. Like country mile between them and, and second. So yeah, like they were playing scaling stuff, but they were just running people over early anyway. So I I, I didn't think it was a fair characterization even during the summer. But now they're like definitely leaning into it, which is you know maybe good, maybe bad. We'll see. Um, by the end of the year, this could be like good for them. Like it could be another wrinkle, like another tool, you know, for the toolbox kind of thing. So we'll see. But yeah, it's definitely a different look for them, which is kind of interesting. LCS week two. Uh, any thoughts on week one, just in general? Um, these immortals were... versus Team Liquid, huh? Dude. Immortals versus Team Liquid. Boys. Hey, I was on it. I was on it. We called it. We called out that we all liked the bet. Yep. I bet it. Smashed it. Dude. Can we just talk about the... I really, really hope... The lock-in was a better quality than week one was, right? These were some shit games. I'll just say it. 
there was a lot of terrible League of Legends played this weekend in North America. And I don't know. I don't know. There was a lot of really, really poor League of Legends played this weekend. I almost want to wash it out of my mind. But I really hope it's... My excitement for the, for the LCS this season was that it would be a better quality of play. I'm not asking for the world here, but just better overall quality in the league than it was last year. And it should be that. Like I think top to bottom it's a better league. Do you guys agree with that? A lot of new yeah, faces, sure, but... Player quality is pretty good, really, in the L- in the LCS. I think this this split. But man, oh man, was there some terrible games? What do we have? Like four different forty plus minute games this weekend? Is that what it was? I don't even know. Man, oh man. Um. Yeah, that's a good point from Kevin in the chat. Like they look like everyone's playing scared. It was like it's week one. It's February. Why? <laughs> I guess because every game matters now, which is a good thing. But maybe it ends up being a bad thing. I don't know. I guess we'll time will tell. We've got 100 Thieves minus 263 against FlyQuest, or FlyQuest plus 191. This is too big enough. 100 Thieves look good. They did have a, a big come-from-behind victory that they probably shouldn't have had in week one. That's two now, by the way. Yeah. Uh, a little bit sketchy there, but... You know what? Honestly, 100 Thieves feels like... I don't know if anybody watches CSGO. They feel a little bit like G2's CSGO team to me. G2's CSGO team is, like, notoriously emotional. And if they start losing, like, games, they very often just, like, get completely blown out. But when they get on, like, hot streaks, they can just beat anybody and, like, stomp, like, great teams. But when they start losing, they get stomped by bad teams. It actually just happened today, which is when I was thinking about it. Um... So uh, they feel like kind of like that to me. It feels like when they've got their confidence, they can be the best team in the LCS. But when they're low on confidence, sometimes they, they can revert, get reverse swept, which is what happened to them twice in the lock-in and playoffs last year. So I'll, I'll say this. One thing that's impressed me is both of those like late-game Clown Fiesta wins that they have, they had no business winning. Like, Yeah, which is a good sign. Not, not like – I mean, obviously the enemy team's got to do some things wrong. you got to get a little bit lucky in those kind of situations. But what I like about them – is both times that they've done that now, they've had way, way inferior scaling teams. Like, like the kind of teams where it's like, okay, the other team's got two dragons, this game's probably over now, kind of teams. And they've found a way to make it work. Like, they've G2'd it almost to an extent, right? Like, obviously not the same level, but that's a little promising that they've kept their cool. They've made these comebacks in games where they have no business, you know, doing that. You could also look at the fact that they've had to do that as a cause for concern. So yeah, that's a really it's a really positive sign. Like you said, if a team if teams are consistently coming back with comps that don't have any business doing it, if you're coming back with like Lucians or champions like that that shouldn't be coming back, it shows you how much better you are at team fighting and positioning and setting up objectives than the teams yeah. you're playing against. But like you say, it is a little worrying that they're even in that position to begin yeah, it's, with. That's that's the tough thing is like you have to evaluate whether or not it's mostly the other team screwing up versus. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be some amount of that in those situations. It's just a matter of wh- where do you where on the spectrum are we putting this right? Like Josh, what do you think on 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 Hundred Thieves and their weird game scenarios? Yeah, I don't. It's like I don't really understand it. Like I don't know what. Like who on this roster strikes you as being bad? I don't, like I don't know. They don't seem like bad laners or anything. Like I don't understand why they're getting behind. 
It's like such a weird. It's like I I, I legitimately just don't understand it. I think um, sometimes it seems like they like the, the first the one in the lock in turn it was a CLG I think it was. They just like I, I'm pretty sure it was that one where they like just, they just went for a couple dives and it just went wrong. Like that's gonna happen when you're trying to play because to me they're very very clearly in that up tempo spectrum. Like that's where they're at. That's what they want to be. I like those kind of teams. But every once in a while, you're going to get games like this. With like, look at Victory Five. They look like Victory Five to me. They look a lot like that team. That they're going to be very good at this one thing. And maybe they'll. The, the thing I like about it is that they've shown that they've already like Victory Five doesn't do this. They've shown that they can make it work if it goes bad. So, I, I think Hundred Thieves are actually good. I think they've had a couple weird games, and I don't think you should let that cloud your judgment too much. And I think against teams that aren't like the top teams. They're they're just gonna steamroll most of the time, and I think. That's... Ah! I mean, against CLG, I mean they literally got outkilled by CLG this yeah. past weekend, and that's CLG without Poe Belter, without Brox. Yeah. it's just like I just, but I it's weird. But it's like I agree with you, so it's like I don't understand it. It's the weirdest. I I just I, it literally just doesn't make sense way. to me. If we were eight weeks into the season, and they've had like maybe two of those games this split. And they had another one in week eight. Will we be saying? Will we be saying the same thing? Or is this just because we've had like seven games from them or whatever? Yeah, small samples. Like I do think there's a little bit of small sample bias going on here. I mean, you could make the argument the other way too, I guess. But like, if you have a couple of these in in short, like short order, you tend to be like, oh, this seems not good, right? So I I don't know. I I think they look good to me. And that you're just gonna you're gonna take one on the chin every once in a while when they when they botch a dive and they lose to somebody that they don't they shouldn't lose to. But you you look at Victory Five in the LPL, right? Victory Five, they do this once in a while, but for the most part, they consistently roll over like anyone that's worse than them. Like they clean house with them too. I think Hundred Thieves unders are gonna be a good look this season. Like time total unders. Uh, I think. That that's like the angle of attack here for that. Like I I, I kind of like them on the I don't know FlyQuest. What do you guys think of FlyQuest now that we've seen a little bit more with Jose Dodo in the lineup? Chris, I think yeah. Sorry, uh, I I actually I'm very much surprised. Like the addition of Jose Dodo's completely changed how this team is playing, and that's a great thing for FlyQuest. I think they they are. Uh, it might not be a big of a drop off as I initially thought. So I really like, uh, yeah, I like that. So go ahead, Josh. I, was, I, I like this team. I mean, we were all kind of pretty high on them going in, and then got a little bit scared there, a little bit timid in that preseason tournament when they came out a little flat. But Jose Diotto definitely looks good. Um, I like. I've, I'd like to see how they've they've gotten licorice going a bit here, um, and he they they've just looked kind of good all around. Uh, you know, they, their losses were to Team Liquid and EG, and can you really blame them for those two losses? You know what I mean? Not really. So I, I think they, they look about as good as we could have expected. Um, and I think actually, I, was it me? I think I said Palafox coming into the season was the one spot I was most concerned about. Um, and he had a pretty good first week, like a pretty good first showing. So yeah. that was at least encouraging. I mean, he has some tough mid lane matchups this week against, you know, Power of Evil, Jazuke. And Jensen, like that's a pretty tough first gauntlet to run, yeah, uh, for him. So he he held up pretty well, which is definitely encouraging for me. I think, yeah, good. Oh, 
I was going to say, FlyQuest feels like a team that's going to end up being like a most improved team this split. Yeah. Like, starting off looking kind of weak, I think they probably end up somewhere like fifth or sixth or something and look, yeah. look you know, pretty good by the time the season's wrapped up. I just, I think 100 Thieves is the side here. I just don't think you can lay this much based on, I mean, they've looked pretty good to me, but I, I don't think you can, you can lay this. This is probably just a pass. Oh, this is FlyQuest Moneyline for me. Yeah, this yeah. is FlyQuest. Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm going to pass. I could see it. Liquid, <laughs> minus 900, CLG plus 500. What? Number two. What? Minus 900? All right, look, Liquid are actually – Liquid are, are good. But 900 and a best of one? Nah. They already gave up one of these games this season when they were minus yeah. 1,000. So. I think Immortals is, is better than CLG, though. True. I mean, you could you could say, oh, Immortals got the upset there, and CLG almost got the upset against 100 Thieves. It took that happening, and CLG still lost that game when they shouldn't have lost that game. That See, to me, that's like that's way worse than 100 Thieves screwing that up. To me. Like, CLG could not lose that game past a certain point. <laughs> they found no way to do it. So I don't know, like... Liquid okay. kill spread. I, here's what I'll say. I think CLG kill spread is the way to go in this match. Nine and a half is a big number. Uh, Liquid have been fairly clinical. Like they're they're not. I I got. I'm just gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take some time and, and gush about Liquid here because I love a team of tryhards so much. It's like so. I, I don't. They don't mess around. It's not about styling on people. They're just brutally efficient. Just beating on people. <laughs> And like, yeah, obviously they had the loss or whatever, but like, I absolutely, I absolutely love this liquid team, and they're going to be like, it, they're going to be a team that I'm backing like kill spreads against all year, but I'm like confident that they're going to win like probably 15 games this season, 14 or 15. Actually, I can't even say that because we have the full season now. I think they, so, I think they can get like 15 games in the first 18 matches. So, like they'll lose to Cloud Nine, maybe. Good, Chris. If Paul Belcher starts, do you think this odd stays? Do you think it changes anything? Because I'm, I'm still of the opinion if Paul Belcher starts that they are a more stable CLGA that they wouldn't be making the same mistake that That's they had with RG. That's an interesting thought, John. You, what, what do you think? Like, does this change? I mean, this probably doesn't move that much if he starts. But are you more interested in CLG if Paul Belcher's starting? Um, I'm probably more interested, but it doesn't necessarily mean interested. Like, it's not like CLG Academy has been really good. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, the rest of CLG Academy's, you know, not great either. But it's—I don't think he's enough of a game changer to come in and and suddenly make me want to bet the line. No matter who they trot out, they're going to be worse than Jensen. Yeah. So uh, there's a—I think there's a pretty good argument that Poe Belter's better than RJS. But uh, I think RJS is playing, and no matter who plays, they're going to be worse than Jensen. So yeah, I think Liquid are just too clean. They look really, really good. Um, C9, minus 200. Evil Geniuses, plus 142. Is this enough of a spot for Evil Geniuses? They've looked pretty good. C9 do feel like the team that's going to be a higher variance team of the good teams in NA. They're going to be higher uh, variance than Liquid, I think. Yeah, they I might think end up being be, better, but... I think they're going to be higher variance than 100 Thieves, too. Once everything settles in, I think 100 Thieves is going to be lower variance than... Are you, are you talking, like, uh, higher variance in terms of, like, how the games play out, or higher variance just in general, like, like, wins and losses in general? Wins and losses. Like, okay. I think they're going to... I think C9 is going to be a team that's capable of getting way behind early, like, trying some over-aggressive stuff and getting way behind early and losing. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, EG is probably going to end up pretty high variance too. I think 142 is right about where I want to see Evil Geniuses in this matchup. I think I'm going to end up passing, but if I was going to bet, it would definitely be EG. I wouldn't bet C9 minus 200. Yeah, 60-40 here, or six, whatever it is, 66-41, or whatever the juice is here. Um, I, I mean, I think this is maybe EG. They're the team. They're the kind of team that's going to be able to spike games like this, and then everyone overreacts next week, and they lose to like Immortals or something. But I think I think this is EG or pass. I don't know if you can back Cloud Nine here. Maybe you can though. I don't know. Golden Guardians plus two twenty four. TSM minus three twenty three. Look, I'm like Mister TSM Truther here. I think this team's eventually going to be good. You got to take a shot on Golden Guardians here, right? Have DS have TSM done anything to lay three hundred against anyone? TSM's been awful, man. Like, <laughs> They've been awful, like, like really bad. Like I really do think this team's time. eventually going to get there, but like right now, absolutely not. Let me while well, you guys talk about this for a second. Let me look up the stats for these teams because I've been more on point with LPL and LCK stats this season since that's what I'm doing mm-hmm. content for. Let me look up the stats for these teams while you guys talk about it. For- this Josh, this is just Golden Guardians, or, or that it's got to be Golden Guardians, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is one where I don't. This is like the feels bad betting spot because, like, we all do eventually think TSM is going to bounce back, and we all do think GGS is a bottom tier team. So we don't really want to bet GGS because we think you know at the you know the whole like they're due, but this number is just too big for what we've seen so far. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's, so it's it's more this is more against what TSM have shown us so far than an endorsement of Golden Guardians. This is they're very close from looking at like the the stats that I do in my like daily videos. Yeah, uh, TSM is seventh in the league in gold per minute. Golden Guardians is eighth. It's an eighteen gold per minute difference between the two teams. Yeah. Or, so I mean that's pretty that's pretty close for. Let me look like, at their gold difference. Like our our TSM our TSM seventy six and a half percent to win this because that's what the implied is. There's no way. Golden Guardians is a thousand gold better on average of fifteen minutes than TSM is right now. It's pretty tough not to bet a team at plus yeah. two twenty something when they're a thousand gold better at fifteen minutes. Yeah, I mean, I will say this, and I, I think I, I might have been talking to Kev about this in the Discord. TSM have played. Are you are you combining lock in stats or just regular season? This is just from last week so far. Okay, okay. We look at the locket as well. They've played Cloud Nine five times already. In what nine games that they've played? That's gonna make anybody look. Would they play Cloud Nine like five times or four times? They played, I think, EG as well. So like that, and the fact that we thought this was gonna be like a slow start team anyway, like that could make them look a lot worse than they are. But like. Even considering that, like they, they, you can't tell me they deserve to be laying three twenty three. This is Golden Guardians or pass. Um, yeah, at the lock in, I mean, like you said, at the lock in, the stats are a little bit more skewed because TSM played a lot of Cloud Nine, but uh, at the lock in, Golden Guardians was just better than TSM statistically. In the first week, TSM was better, but not by very much. If you look at just lock in yeah. stats, Golden Guardians was significantly better. I love this next one. This is one of my favorite spots this week. Immortals minus 110 against Dignitas minus 120. Dignitas small favorites. What? Like, all right. Have Dignitas looked better than we thought they were going to be? Like, not in terms of, like, games won, but, like, have they actually looked better? No, uh, Not to me. Like... (laughs) 
this is this is this is immortals all day for me. This is my this is pick of the week for me. I think like this is immortals all day long. I'm putting it in right now, so dibs. <laughs> like somebody make yeah. the case for dignitas, I guess. I don't. I don't think there's a lot of case for dignitas. I think immortals is actually just generally kind of underrated yeah. by the odds this week. Uh, I don't think they're going to be a great team, but I think they're they're good enough that the odds are underrating them here. I think immortals so are going to be in that five through seven competition. Like they're going to be yeah. with FlyQuest and probably and TSM. T- <laughs> probably like TSM. Maybe uh, who are we forgetting? If CLG get it together, maybe. I don't know. Josh is uh, freaking out over. Is it the next one? I mean, no. I'm just mad that you said five. Like they're in like the seven through nine for me. Like really. Yeah, Immortals? What? Like, who? It's them, CLG, and Golden Guardians are, like, the only three teams. Like, they're in that tier. TSM's down there as well. Yeah, right, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I couldn't see them getting five. So, do you, is this a pass, or do you like Dignitas here? No, it's it's Immortals all the way here. Like, I think Dignitas is a tier below, but, like, I was just surprised you said five, because, like, you have... Hundred thieves, eg. Yeah, I don't know if they realistically five, but I think they're okay. gonna. Be, I guess I, I, I should say like they should be in that five to seven tier. Not that they'll finish five necessarily, but like I, I, I think like FlyQuest and probably FlyQuest and eg are probably gonna be the ones. Eg might be four at this point or three. I don't even know. They look pretty good, but um, I think they're gonna be in that secondary tier. Like they're not winning the league, but CLG. Plus one thirty one against FlyQuest minus one seventy five. FlyQuest kill spreads. I, I kind of don't have a good feel for this one. I kind of like FlyQuest at minus one seventy five. I think yeah, I think like, FlyQuest is going to get better every week. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm kind of. This with is a good that. spot to maybe take advantage of them while they're in the process of getting better. I'm just really hard pressed to lay any favorites in North America for time for the time being until I know. And I've I've kind of talked about this before, like just in general, like in the first couple weeks of every season, it feels different this time because we have the lock in, right? But a lot of these teams are still basically new. They're added; they've added pieces late. They didn't play; some of them didn't play lock in, right? Like this is still effectively week one and two. It just doesn't feel quite the same. And early in the season, especially, you need a damn good reason. Like, you're, you're paying a premium for favorites in, in League of Legends betting most of the time. Like, the majority of the juice that you're paying, just based on, if you do, like, very, very basic modeling stuff, just, like, look at these teams, like, you have to pay for favorites. Like, more often than underdogs. And then by the end of the season, it kind of middles out, and it's, it's more evenly distributed, right? Now... So I kind of treat it as, like, if I'm going to back a favorite in the early weeks of a season, I need a damn good reason to. Because I tend to start from, okay, the dog's probably the starting point. Make the case against it. And if you can make the case against it, then it's reasonable to back the favorite. I don't don't know yet. I agree with you on on your FlyQuest take in general. Like, I'm, I'm in the same line of thinking. But I don't know if I can lay 175 with them yet. Maybe, maybe I feel like an idiot three weeks from now, and this is, like, a minus 300 line by then. But... This is probably just a pass. Any other thoughts on this one? I think I'm not actually going to bet it, but if I was going to bet it, I would bet FlyQuest, and it, it's pretty close to bettable yeah, for me. I think that's fair. 100 Thieves plus 131, Cloud9 minus 179. 
I'll take the Thieves. Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel like the Thieves is value here. We've seen them play Cloud9 a bunch of times. Um, yeah. And they won two out of five games. And it kind of looked like they fell apart a little bit at the end of that series to the point where you'd kind of feel good about... Uh, about being about being on the hundred thieves, so I don't know. I feel like hundred thieves plus thirty one is probably valuable. Yeah, I like it overall. I do think C nine has been improving. Seems like Perks is fitting in, and they have a game plan. It's to babysit Fudge, just babysit him. It's been working for them whole game, and it's been working. That's kind of what caused the uh, reverse sweep for some some reason. Someday can be ahead in lane for like majority of the game, but Fudge is not losing badly because they babysat him. So if they continue to go with that game plan and Hundred Thieves doesn't show anything new, I think they need to win bot and mid to get to to uh, take this game. But I like the odds. I don't know if I like Hundred Thieves winning here. Myself. Yeah, I don't think this is crazy. I I just think it's like like Cloud Nine deserve to be favorites probably here, right? Like I don't, I don't have any issue with that. I just think like this is enough for Hundred Thieves that I think it's worth a shot on them. Um, Dignitas laying money again. Dignitas favored this week. Like what the, what the <laughs> Dignitas minus one thirty five against Golden Guardians plus one hundred two. Um, I think this spot is good enough that if nobody else wants to take the more obvious picks of the week, I would make this my pick of the week. Golden Guardians. Yeah, I do think Golden Guardians is good enough so far this season See? for that to be viable, but I'd rather pick some other things, but this is like my fourth or fifth favorite bet of the weekend. I think Golden Guardians are going to be like the the diet FlyQuest. Like I they're going to get better. Everybody knows the game plan right now is to just pick on Niles. Like eventually they're going to pick some stuff up. He's going to get better at dealing with these kind of situations. He's been he's been getting baptized as the rookie here, right? Like a little bit, like everyone lock into everyone's just been picking on. Now maybe they never evolve past that, but I I like to think that at some point they they figure something out to abuse this, or he just gets better at dealing with it. And I think Fly, I think Golden Guardians are gonna they're gonna have like a similar trajectory to FlyQuest, even if I don't necessarily think they're gonna get to the same level. That they'll just keep getting better. Still kind of early, but I don't I'm not buying Vignathos either, so. Give me Golden Guardians here. Probably Golden Guardians alt spreads too. Like minus two and a half. You can get plus, good plus money odds on that. Liquid minus two, 385 against TSM plus 260. This is just like who looks good right now. Like TSM don't look good right now. TSM or Liquid look great right now. Probably Liquid kill spreads. I'm not. I'm still not 100% convinced TSM's ever going to look good. So I'm, I'm not going to bet it's either possible. side of this one. Um, the, uh, let me see what the kill spread number is real quick. And while you're at it, can you check the over under on time game time? Thirty two like... on game time. Ooh, I want to hit the under on that. And one. Kill spread six and a half. Because I think TL is just gonna stomp the hell out of me. Okay. Or JJ. I like Solo. the thirty. I like the third. I like the under in that spot. Um, Josh, questions, comments, concerns, thoughts. Uh, I don't want to bet this game. TSM, TSM should have picked up Crown Shot. That would have been a decent landing spot for him. Replacing like losses look pretty bad. They could yeah, have got Crown look, Shot. Losses look oh, they, rough. Yeah, they have their more than import a stuff. Rough. Oh, true, true. Yeah. Evil Geniuses minus two thirty three. Immortals plus one sixty nine. I'll take Immortals. 
I'll take a shot on it. Uh, it's a no bet for me there. <laughs> Josh is bothered. He's very bothered by you. I, I I'm not taking a shot on Immortals there. I think EG looks sweet. This is like a borderline close your eyes special type thing for me, Josh. Like I'm not actually sitting there saying they're better than EG or anything. I just think that number is too big. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. I actually think EG are being undervalued by the books personally. I, but... I do think that. I'm with you. But I think in this case, like, they're being – like, in this – yeah, they are being undervalued. But I also think Immortals are being, like, way, way undervalued also. So, like, I, to me, it's, like, Immortals is a value play here. I don't – I do think this is, like, kind of close. This should I probably think, be, like, hey, 175. Here's, here's, what I'll, here's what I'll say, Vince. Like, I would just bet tomorrow's Immortals line instead. If I was going to bet Immortals here. Yeah. Wait, are you might, wait, wait, are you in for another Immortals wait a triple whoa, 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 parlay whoa. Win weekend? <laughs> Maybe. God damn. It almost <laughs> got there. It almost got there. We got robbed. By the way, I don't know if you saw this, but in my write-up, I took an alt spread. I took minus six and a half on the alt spread. They lost the game up 15 to 9. I was so tilted. I was so tilted, man. Like I was, <laughs> That would have been a sweet bad hit that if they was lost the, the up by 7. That was the unbelievable. Like that was like I you can't make that up. Like that exactsies, you can't make that up. That was that was kind of funny. Um Liquid minus 217 100 thieves plus 159. This is I mean, this is enough for 100 thieves. Yeah, I think I think I'll end up betting them here as well. Yeah, I don't. I think Hunter Thieves is not much worse. I think right now you could say that Cloud Nine and Team Liquid are the best two teams, but I think Hunter Thieves is not much worse. I think they're like in that right like now. quarter tier below them, or half tier below them. Maybe, I would maybe pretty they're much not. Maybe they're just in the same thing. I think I would have them in the same tier, but I would have Hunter Thieves as the lowest team in the tier yeah, right now. That's and so I think one fifty nine is just too much not to bet them if I think they're in the same tier. Josh, here's here's what I'll say about Hundred Thieves. Uh, I, I'm not gonna. I don't disagree that there's some value on them this week, but I don't want to bet on them. I actually think there's a decent chance they go 0 and 3 this week, and I really hope they do because then next week we'll get some really really oh, juicy yeah. lines. That's that's true. Um, so I'm because I'm gonna be kind of cheering for that narrative to come through. I, I'm not gonna bet on them, but I do. I don't disagree that there's value. I just think that like there's a really good shot they go 0 and 3, and the market really overreacts to that next week when they. Have, I mean, this is a tough slate for them this weekend really tough slate and like john said we've seen them kind of get down on themselves before so if they end up losing on friday i wouldn't be surprised if they're maybe, just kind of mental boomed maybe that's the play you just wait and see i, I hate nah i'm not with that never mind I, I i see what you're saying but i think you, if you it's it's dangerous to get caught up betting that way consistently because then you're just become a narrative street the mayor of narrative street TSM minus 204 against Immortals plus 150. Again, TSM haven't done anything to deserve laying this money, right? For the record, if, if you want to become the mayor of Narrative Street, you're going to have to win an election against me, and it's not, it's not doable. <laughs> so don't, you won't win. I have a lot of constituents that, that believe in me. Uh, this is too big a number for TSM again, right? I don't yeah, think I, I'm... Go, go ahead. I was, that's what this is what I was saying. I would just bet Immortals plus one fifty against TSM all day before plus one sixty nine against EG personally. Totally agree with you on that. I don't see the value in betting against EG when you can bet against TSM, who literally has looked like a bottom three team in the league so, yeah. so far. Even if you think they're going to rebound, so far they've been a bottom. That's three That's what team. I mean. Like even if you think they're going to rebound, you you have to look at even if you like adjust them up from what they've been. 
how much big of an how big of an adjustment can you realistically make, right? Like right now, like this week. No, it's yeah, not this. It so can't be a full yeah. turnaround. Yeah. So, I guess I am going Immortals to parlay again. We almost got there. Dignitas plus two twelve eg minus three hundred three eg spreads probably. Yeah, it feels like a fade to me. Pass or spread? Ah, probably just the pass all around. Chris. Yeah, saying pass is not available. I don't know if I trust EG to be covering spreads yet. This is a team that I think could could very easily like pick some random center comp and just lose a game. I don't know. Um FlyQuest plus two sixty, Cloud Nine minus three eighty five. Probably a pass. Maybe FlyQuest kill spreads. I don't know, Cloud Nine have looked pretty good. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to bet, uh, to bet this this matchup yet. It feels like at some point in the season, FlyQuest might be at a place where I'd want to bet this. Yeah. But like you say, you can only make so much progress in a week, and I do think they're going to get better, but maybe not better enough to, to bet it here yet. Also, like, there's the off chance, too. Like, if Cloud9 drop a game to EG or 100 Thieves, they're just going to rage stop FlyQuest in this game, <laughs> if we know anything about Perks teams. Knock, knock. Who's there, Josh? The people that live in Narrative Town overthrowing Mayor John for not being on the revenge narrative for the FlyQuest Cloud9 trio against their organization that sold them for scraps. Unacceptable behavior. I don't think there's any way you can still be the mayor after that. Oh, man. There's just no way. That's a good point. There's just no way. Oh, man. He drives a hard bargain, this job. I might lose an election here. Let's see what the... I gotta... let Let me pull this up real fast. We've got... Kill spread seven and a half. Licorice, Licorice has got to just like stomp fudge, doesn't he? He just, yeah. he just said, "You're right. I'm, I'm in. I'm on FlyQuest. I'm gonna put damn it in it, bet Josh. right now." Licorice might get more kills than Crowd Shot. Damn it! Be... Why are you so good at making your point? <laughs> God damn it! I just, I just know how to push people's buttons correctly. Chat says impeached. He's in the running for that mayor. He wants it really bad. Oh my god! He'll go blackmail if he has to. Guys, don't overthrow me. I'm betting it right now. I have it on the second monitor. Don't overthrow me. <laughs> Golden Guardians minus 106. CLG minus 123. This is a. I don't want any part of this. Golden Guardians, if anything. Okay, okay, okay. Here it is. This is the narrative of the week. The narrative of the week. Okay, there's there's one crucial piece here. Counter Logic Gaming has to start Poe Belter in this game. Oh, you, you, missed, they, you missed CLG Liquid. No, 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 no. You see, you're on the wrong narrative, Vince. You're not with the times. Okay, okay. listen. Okay, educate me. I'm Sunday. A Sunday is Valentine's Day. Oh okay. no! <laughs> Poe Belter oh, no. is a very public relationship. He's going to be wanting to get out of there, go on the date with his girlfriend. He doesn't want anything to do with the game if he plays absolutely hammer the other side he's going to be totally checked out not thinking about it just thinking about his post-game plans it's <laughs> over boom narrative of the week so yeah is. does this mean we play, we hard smash yankos in europe because he's going to be raiding all weekend instead of going out for valentine's day i didn't even think about that <laughs> wonder yeah, there might be a, oh the wow narrative we didn't do the the james harden strip club wow oh, we- <laughs> under release post yet but we the need strip to, club we need to city splits sure. dude that's the dude, that, that was one of my favorite posts the last it's like, so years. good it's so good for those that don't know I have, to, I have to dig it up for those that don't know somebody came up with the 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 
good strip club cities, home and like not home and away, but the splits between good good strip club cities and bad strip club cities for James Harden, oh, who's yeah. been known who's been known to frequent an establishment or two, and he performed significantly better in the ones where the bad they were not a good strip club scene. So it's like, oh my god, I love that kind of shit. It's so good. Um, whew. Yeah, he's right. uh, I, I don't know what this game, dude. I know I backed Golden Guardians against uh, who was it against Dignitas, but that's more like I'm not buying Dignitas. But this one, I don't. I don't. This is don't a know. this is a pretty close game with with the juice on both sides. It just feels like maybe you just pass this one. I'd say this isn't even like a popcorn game. This is just, it's Sunday night. Have a beer. Just you can you can turn this one off. Spend some time with the girlfriend or the wife, you know, maybe go out on a date, but be responsible, of course, or uh, just drink yourself to sleep if you're alone at night, and then <laughs> and then wake up on Monday morning and see the result, and that'll be your that's your Valentine's Day treat, right? All right, uh, <laughs> and if you're married, just be you know use it as time to reflect on how lucky you got. Exactly, that's how that's how I feel. That's how I feel every day. But Valentine's Day is just an extra amplification. Oh of that. man. Um, Pick of the week. I'm going with Immortals minus 110 against Dignitas. Oh, we should, let I, me recap last week. Let me recap last week. Yeah, yeah go. Uh, actually, don't recap last week. Oh, uh, yeah, we could, we could skip the recap for last week where Chris reverses the tides and he hits on Rare Adam against LNG. That was an outright, that was a 2 0, right? Yeah. That was a 2 0. Mm-hmm. That was a sweep. Solid yeah. win. Everybody else missed. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had Invictus Moneyline against RNG. I was a little tilted in that game three. Um, John had a Strauss plus 10.5 against Rogue. They won by 11. Uh, <laughs> so sad, dude. I was so sad. Uh, Josh had a Freaka Moneyline against KT Rolster. That was a weird three-gamer as well. And Big Kev had the G2 kill spread against Fnatic, and that uh, obviously lost outright with Fnatic rolling. Um not a good week for us, but that moves us to a grand total of 15. Well, I guess we'll say the main cast. Listeners listeners have now lost. They're not undefeated anymore. They're mortal. Listeners are 3-1. and one. Uh, Overall, listeners guessed, us included, it's 15-9 and nine for plus 13.1 units. It's a 54.5% ROI. And... Yeah, we'll see. What do we got? So I, I said I'm on Immortals minus one ten. You guys uh, talk through yours. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll for listener pick of the week. Yeah, there were some other things I could have gone with, but I, the most clear value for me is Mad Lions plus one forty four against Shalka. I think Mad Lions is definitely turning it around as the season goes on. I really like that roster overall, and I think Shalka is definitely the books are clearly rating Shalka like they're one of the top teams right now, and I think. Even though they've beaten some top teams, it feels to me like they're not going to end up being like a top three team, which is how the books are viewing them right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna treat them like they're not a top three team and take the plus four one forty four on Mad. Who wants to go next, Josh? Chris. Chris is still coming up with his. Josh, go for it. Uh, all right. So you know it was actually all set up. I was having a great week, great year, undefeated. And last week it dawned on me that maybe my success is oppositely correlated with Crown Shot's success. So you know what I did? <laughs> I chose an Eastern League bet, which I never do. And I lost it. 
And sure thing, you know, Crowdshot gets signed the following week. I don't know. You know what I mean? I just had to make a sacrifice so that he could prosper. And that's what Valiant. I did. You know? Valiant. Yeah. Very, thank He's you. He's a, you know, a real hero. A noble. Yeah. A noble effort. And so now, after that big sacrifice, I'll now be rewarded this week by taking the Vitality Double money line Parlay, plus 249. Lock it in. Crown Shot's going for 40 kills. Against Este, he's going to get 39 of them. The other game, he's only going to have one. Doesn't really matter. Go ahead, lock them in. World's contenders. Going to win it all. <laughs> Straight to the top. If anyone finds LEC to make the playoff odds anywhere, let me know. Okay, please, ASAP Rocky. Same. Let me know. It's a lock. <laughs> ASAP Rocky. <laughs> that forever, damn. Uh... Yeah, I like it. Was it plus two forty nine in the calc, right? Yeah, Chris, what do you think? What do you, what do you got for pick of the week this week? All right, so it was hard. I was still considering the Astralis pick, but eventually, I think I come up with FlyQuest plus one ninety one over hundred thieves. I love the hundred thieves. I still think they're so damn unpredictable or inconsistent that FlyQuest has a lot of chance to win this one. Uh, but my luck went probably wrong. But Jose Dodo, I really respect the man. You are right on the spot to be excited for him to come to the LCS. All right, all right, all right. I actually don't hate that position either. Not not because it's anything. I just think the number is pretty big for week two, and we we think FlyQuest is going to be pretty good. Plus, you have the uh, yeah, should be good. So, shoot, the listeners are against us this week, man. To like. More than more than half the listener picks this week are like hard against our pick of the week, so we're really oh, wait, clashing yeah. this week. Get the get get whoever this listener is that's picking against Vitality. Let him uh, get me in the ring. Get me in the ring with him. You know, let's go right, a couple well, rounds here. Listen, that's what I rolled because I randomly. Good. So for those that Good. don't know the process here, I assemble. I put all the listener picks in, and I literally just random number generator. And unless it's like a duplicate, I I if it's a duplicate, then I re-roll and don't use that one. But uh, that's the one that came up. So, yeah, I guess it's, it I was guess time for me to overtake the listeners on my ROI. It was time. It's about time. You know I what I mean? I guess we're clashing. So, so Waco Kid yeah. Five from the Esports Department. Uh, actually, he. I think this was via Twitter, if I remember correctly. No, this was via the Esports Department Discord. Has Excel against Vitality. So, clashing, clashing with the uh, the cast. He gets full on bragging rights if he wins. That's for sure gonna keep i mean the listeners are the listeners are killing it this year these lost Careful. last week so because your your membership to the discord is might be on the line <laughs> josh josh gets quick he's banned big kev like 19 times it's get the fingers go quick go fast <laughs> yeah I'll, i will have to hit i will have to hit waco kid up and see like the the logic behind it maybe we'll, we'll read that next week regardless of how this turns out could be interesting uh okay i think that's it for us this week we, I'm, I'm glad we got like a pause to, to kind of talk big picture about this stuff. This was like good timing because the, the LCS and the LEC are just kind of swinging into, into the getting into the full swing of things, and we get a little break from the LPL and the LCK, and we got to talk more big picture stuff instead of just going through each and every match every week. So I think it's good, good to get that that change of pace in. Next week we'll have LCK back, but LPL will still be on break, and we'll have more info on LEC and LCS. Anything else before you? Uh, what else you guys got? Any any, any sign offs? Anything else that's been going on? Super Bowl. We can talk. We recap the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's too like painful. 
am I wrong? Am I wrong? I, I, I don't pay that much attention to football, but I swear I watched most of the playoff games. And I feel like Mahomes looked like 10 times more hobbled in this game than he looked in the previous games. Obviously, Tampa Bay's defense is better than a lot of the other teams he faced. But just him by himself, the way he's walking, the way he's moving, he looked like 10 times more hobbled in this game than he looked in the last so, game, if I'm remembering correctly. So he is he was dealing with an injury, turf toe, which, you know, he's going to get operated on, I guess. Um, was it turf toe or was it like a, an unspecified toe injury? I forget what it, it was. was. It was turf toe, I think. Um, but, like, he just didn't feel like it looked that bad I'll, in the semifinals. I'll say this, though. I'll say this, though. He was pressured on 29 of his 54 dropbacks in this game which is, I think, the most he's ever been pressured on percent-wise and the most that anyone's been pressured in a Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure, like at least in the modern era. Brady was pressured on 4 out of 30. So as cliche as it sounds, uh, Tampa won this in the trenches, like straight up, like both sides of the ball. Like their offensive line dominated Casey's defensive line. I thought I thought they're – I mean, really the whole front seven for the Bucks played out of their mind. Uh Maybe Josh has some some more specific thoughts on this. Let, let me let me mention one more thing just so yeah. that Josh can tell us his thoughts on everything if he's if he's interested. So I feel like people don't understand that it's possible to say these two things at the same time. Tampa Bay played better and deserved to win, and the refs refed towards Tampa Bay. Yeah, I feel like people like like will not accept that those two things could be possible. Like yeah. when I complain about the referees like being like making better calls for Tampa Bay. Then people are just like, oh, but Mahomes got intercepted, so they deserve to. As like that, those two things are not; they don't intersect with each other. I do yeah. think Tampa Bay definitely deserves to win, but I do think the refing calls in the first half were pretty egregiously towards Tampa Bay. Yeah, there were some sketch calls. I don't know. What, Josh, did you feel the same way? Uh next question. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about Kansas City linebacker play? <laughs> next question. Uh. How did, did you guys? Do you guys have any 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 wages in the Super Bowl? I had a bunch of props that did pretty well, but I am mad that my KC futures didn't pan out. I got good number on them too. I had a parlay that ended in Chiefs minus three and all the other parts that already hit, so I was excited for my my Chiefs minus three parlay. But it was it was pretty obvious pretty quick they weren't going to win, so it wasn't like a last second heartbreaker at least. Yeah, I had Mahomes over passing attempts. What was it? Uh, Wat, I think it was Watkins Unders and another one that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Uh, it might have been sacks. I think it was I think it was total sacks under four and a half. I think there were I think there was exactly four, so yeah. Bummer bummer the Chiefs futures didn't get there, but I mean the offensive line play matters. That was like I I maybe didn't put enough credit into that going into it. I thought that they could scheme around it, but Bucks Bucks defense played out okay. of their mind. God, we're talking about it too long. I got, I'm really triggered. Okay, this is what, this is what I'll just say quickly. Everyone's blaming the Chiefs' offensive line, and it's really not their fault. Like everyone's kind of over exaggerating how bad they were. At the end of the day, what happened was the Chiefs' playmakers didn't make plays. Tyreek Hill too. dropped the dropped the touchdown. Daryl Williams dropped Kelsey the touchdown. Travis well. Kelsey, Travis Kelsey dropped a twenty or a twenty yard third and eight pass. That was a phenomenal play by Mahomes. Everyone's blaming the offensive line. The offensive line has never been that good for Patrick Mahomes because he invites pressure the way he plays. If you yeah. watch him on third downs, he takes eight eight steps back immediately, and he's always going to get pressured for that. Yeah. And the Chiefs' uh, staff screwed up immensely. They moved Remmers from right tackle to left tackle, which just made 
both tackles worse. And they also never changed anything in the game plan. They never did any quick hitters and they didn't adjust to the referees calling all the holding calls because if they were going to adjust to that, they would have just thrown it to Kelsey 90 times in the first half because no one can guard him one-on-one and they would have gotten a ton of holding calls, but they didn't target him until like five minutes left in the first half. So that's a lot of things to say. Next question. Yeah, I, th- I think you are right. I know I, I mentioned the line a bunch of times, but you are right. It wasn't just that. I just think that was like kind of like the catalyst for a lot of different things, and they never made the adjustments. Like that, I 100% agree with you on. Hated them kicking Something, that field goal uh, in the third quarter too. That drove me nuts. I said, "You're not. You're. You're not. You can't stop anything right now. Why are you kicking this field goal here?" I didn't even hate. So I know I got into a big argument about the timeout before the half. Like I didn't even hate that. Like, I like being aggressive in that spot. Like, I think, you know, you could go through and discuss all the analytics and all that and everything. But the the kicking a field goal in the third quarter there drove me up a wall. I was so pissed about that. Not not Super Bowl related, but something else I thought I'd weigh in then on mm-hmm. because I feel, like, kind of smart about it. And I think that uh, Gelati, actually, if he had looked into this, probably would have felt similarly to me. I feel like there's a lot of people whose minds are completely blown by what's happened with the economy of top shots in the last week and a half. And I feel like if anybody had listened to people that played card games before this or were involved with collectible trading cards or trading cards of some kind, you could have easily seen this coming. That, like, I don't necessarily think the top shots are that bad of an investment. I mean, the company is really trying to fuck it up as bad as they can. But I I really think there's some argument to be made that maybe there's decent value in collecting them. But the fact that people didn't realize that commons that were being sold for, like, $100 or more we're not going to just fucking plummet in value when like thousands and thousands of packs came yeah. out. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, fucking Zion Williamson or whatever. If it's a common, like there's commons in magic that yeah. are in every single deck in modern and the cards are worth 50 cents, even though everybody needs four of them. Yeah. Like if you've played trading card games before, I own like I owned a shop the first week that a new set comes out, the chase rare for that set, you can sell it sometimes for like seventy five to a hundred dollars. Yeah. Within two weeks it's an eighteen dollar card. Exactly. Like on that first weekend, and that's the chase rare. Like that's the most important card in the set that everybody wants. Goes down from a hundred to eighteen dollars. A card like an uncommon that's playable that people want, you might be able to get five dollars for it on the first weekend, but after two weeks it's a ten cent card or a twenty five cent card. I think so people I don't think people realized that like if they're gonna be releasing a hundred thousand packs of these, your card has to be a limited print card for it to have any value, I, and not limited print like a hundred thousand of them. Limited print like five hundred or less. It's, but go ahead. It's not always true, but like generally with like all the any kind of speculative, like collectible or investment or anything like that, I most of the time, and sometimes it's wrong. Most of the time, like by the time you're hearing about it, it's like too late. A lot of the time, so I don't know if like. I think the idea around this whole Top Shots thing is, like, I haven't gone that deep on it, but the the whole concept of non-fungible tokens and the fact that, like, we've already kind of seen this, like, trading cards and collectibles going digital, right? We've already kind of seen this, which is interesting, and I do think that, like, there there's something to that, like, digital uniqueness. I just don't know, for me personally, if I trust the medium or not, so... It's not even it's like it's not even a trust thing. It's like I don't I don't know if this is the way it happens or if this is just the first step. You know what I'm saying? So that's like kinda of why I haven't gotten too into it or anything, but I do think the the principle, like the concept of it's pretty cool. I'm not a huge expert in top shots by any stretch, but if you want my advice as someone who's been in collectibles for a long time, 
the cards that you want, like the I don't call them cards, but they're not really cards. But the yeah. top shots that you want, I think, right now are the ones that were released before you heard about top shots. Like before all of us heard about top shots, there was packs that were being sold and people yeah. were buying them and none of us had ever heard of it. And most of those cards aren't for sale anymore. Like you can't buy packs and get them anymore. Mm-hmm. Those are the cards that you want. I think um, the stuff that they're like when they release a new common pack, I don't think you're ever going to get value out of those again. Treat, unless treat it's a it, brand it like, new... treat it like first edition stuff in any collectible. Exactly. Well, it's, it's when you see like a new pack being released next week, like the day it's released, some of those cards, you might be able to buy a pack and, and flip them for a higher value. But I don't think any new common packs are going to have value anymore. It's going to be rares, like the extremely rare stuff that's very limited edition, or go back and get commons or rares from the sets before we all heard about Top Shots. And that's where you might... That's what I did. I put $90 on a Top Shots. I have one card in my collection. I've slowly like ramped it up, and I have one card in my collection that's worth like $1,000. And it's a yeah. set one like base set card that is very limited edition. That's the card that I think you want to shoot for is stuff like that. I, I wouldn't be that hyped about, like, if they announced a new common pack tomorrow, I'm not hyped about going to buy it. I'm kind of interested to see where this goes just in general, like, if it was just a fad or if this is, like, a thing that... I wonder if this is just going to be a thing of the future kind of thing where, like, it happens now and then it doesn't actually become a thing until, like, 15 years from now. Like, this maybe dies out in six months, but then it's, like, a thing in ten years. Kind of like the, the magic trajectory, right? Where it's, like... But, I don't know. It's it It's a really weird... We're kind of actually, John. I know you you frequently listen to to Davis Maddox uh, take cast. Um, if you don't, it's a pretty cool show. Though. Check it out. It's like mostly sports, but it talks about a little bit of everything. It's a lot about just speculative stuff in general. And I think the more interesting thing about all of this is like the environment in general, and like your overall thoughts on it. And it's kind of like an era of speculation. And I don't know if there was like pan- the pandemic spurred this on or or, or what, but. It's kind of this weird uh, everything happening at once. Like you have cryptocurrencies, you have all the all the weird like retail inve- like retail investment situations that are going on. A lot of people getting into that now, uh, and then I guess you had a lot of people stuck at home not doing much, so they looked into and then, and then you could also talk economically about you know there's people that aren't necessarily in full faith of the currency, so um, they want to have their 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 capital in assets over cash which is i think generally a smart thing to do it's just it's interesting that there's all these different mediums for it now that that are getting a lot of steam once again i'm not a financial advisor of any kind but uh i think people have kind of missed that over the last like month there's been a lot of big topics and all of the big topics all point to cryptocurrency going up in the future like the gme stuff all the robin hood stuff that happened with amc and all that all of that stuff is something that's likely to make crypto more valuable. Even things like Top Shots. Top Shots operates on the Flow blockchain. You can buy Flow blockchain shares. Ethereum is the most common thing that things like Top Shots operate on. Ethereum, those things all look good for Ethereum. They all look good for Flow. They all look good for Bitcoin. Like those, I feel like those topics aren't being really talked about that much right now, but they are the underlying thing that's gaining value from all of these things we're hearing about. So... I personally quite kind of like uh, like crypto. Yeah. It's definitely something you uh, at least want to learn about at the very least, you know, just to see like what's going on here and everything. So, all right, um, I think that's it for us. We'll have LCK back next week. Uh, I don't know, Josh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Josh. You have anything else? Crown shot to the moon. Crown shot to the moon. That's the. <laughs> 
dollar sign crown shot, right? We got a crown shot stock, right? Um, I think that's going to be it. We will see you guys next week and definitely hit us up the esports department discord. We're going to be talking a lot of LCS. I think I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to hop in on the, um, going to have less writing to do this weekend. So I'll definitely hop in on the, uh, we've been doing live, like basically viewing parties on the weekends for like, for the LEC and LCS where we'll hop in, we'll hop in the voice chat and, and, you know, shoot the shit with everyone. We're having a good old time in the, in the esports department discord. So definitely come check that out for free. Um, Rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Josh, what else you got? Uh, I did remember one thing. Um, don't forget to tune in next week. Uh, John's got a great story to tell. Oh, I'll let yeah. of Lots of intrigue. Very interesting stuff. Uh, we'll be talking about it next week. Lots of laughs. You're not going to want to miss it for sure. And with that, I think we're going to get out of here this week. Everybody have a great weekend. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.